Hello, all guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to the newest and 100th episode of the Noobs and Knockouts <laughs> podcast brought to you on YouTube, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. I've watched a lot of wrestling at this point. I'm David. I, in theory, am a noob. However, it has been 100 whole episodes, two, two three years at this point. Two and a couple months. Two, two and some, two and some change years at this at this point of this very show. I, wow, I did not think that I would be wh where I am today at this point. I wasn't sure. I guess where I would be, but mm -hmm. maybe, may, may, maybe, maybe the noob has has become a bit of a knockout himself. Eh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> See the, the we can keep we never have to change the bit because I will always watch more wrestling have than watched more wrestling than me. Yes, the out the hour difference between us actually increases every week because it I literally, watch more wrestling in a week than David does. Yeah, we stay on we stay on pace mm -hmm. simply by virtue of this show, uh, just by watching the same thing for the show, and then it gets uh, it gets even more for all the prep time you have to do, and then the however goddamn many years uh the the now what jesus 12 years you have on me yeah 10 years, i guess you 10, 10 years you have on me as a wrestling fan yeah 10 years um and that is the subject of the focus of tonight's episode but uh you know before we get to that i don't know this seems like a good time to you know talk about all the stuff that we've watched on this podcast so far indeed indeed it is austin yeah. You know, I was reflecting on this earlier and th thinking back, uh, pause as I take a sip of my very fancy Target bought red wine. Mm. I was reflecting as a sophisticated media consumer on, on how far we've come since episode one. I, in episode one, extolled, I was blown away by the whole concept of wrestling. I was promised so much by your many many months of facebook rambling and 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 i and it delivered i i spoke of the shakespearean qualities of the brilliance of narrative mm -hmm. through line of the ways in which the in-ring work can elevate a, a given story and in fact have the story carried through mm -hmm. and i think i think of how far i've i've come as a wrestling fan in my in my tastes in my uh, evaluations and understanding of how wrestling storytelling works. And I gotta say, as an evolution of my episode one stance, I think my deeply thought out, calculated, considered, another pause for a fancy sip of my wine, mm. wrestling take for episode 100. Is that God damn, wrestling's fucking stupid, man. Jesus fucking Christ. Why? Why do we do this to ourselves? What? What is the point? Why are we here? Why are we fans? Being a wrestling fan is, is misery and annoyance and disappointment up and, and, and what the fuck reactions out the wazoo. What? What? How? How have we done this? For a little over two years, how did we 
get here? What is what has happened to me? What has happened to us? Why did I ever think this was legitimate art? This shit's fucking stupid, man. God damn. It's it's so very stupid, but so very fun. And that oh is why God. we are still here. Do, do, you, do you know, wrestling has turned me into a man who once a week requests my that my friend scissor with him. Do you know what that does to a person, Austin? I can't show my face in it's, public ever again. It's, to it's, toxic, it's, it's, it's totally toxic to, to your psyche. Yeah, what you didn't tell me anything about this going in. You were just like, oh yeah, wrestling's great. It's kind of weird. Some of it's kind of like bullshit, but you know, overall it's great. And I I believed you, motherfucker. I I trusted you. I I thought this is my dear friend who would never lead me astray. And and you you had me convinced for a little bit, but I have become a wrestling fan over the past 100 episodes. And wrestling is fucking moronic. It melts your brain. It makes you a worse person. And, and I, what, wh where do we go from here? Just like wrestling. We just keep on going on week after week. Well, that's fucking depressing. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. 100 episodes of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. Wrestling is emblematic of existential pain and dread. There we go. That's the official take. Just cut the episode right there. We don't need any more. I don't have near... I, I guess I, I don't have quite the nihilistic and brain-melting take that David has. Um, huh. I mean, hmm. Hmm. Well, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't even know where to go with it. It's just like I, I kind of want. Okay, I feel like let me, I, let me, I feel let like me, I have to. I feel like I have to build off of that in some way. Let, okay, let, let me let me let me back this up. I, I will I will I. This is this is our chance at redemption, if you will. I. I, I I am a I am a jaded bitter motherfucker at this point, but uh, and don't worry, fans. He's like that with all media, not just wrestling. True, true, absolutely true. Sorry about it, guys. No, but this is this is our chance at redemption. We are we are taking on uh, this medium with with ironically fresh eyes. Because refresh our dear listeners, viewers, what have you, Austin. What are we covering today? Uh, we are covering um, the December 28th, 2011 episode of Friday Night Smackdown, which is a bit of a weirdly specific date. Yes, what's special about it? It is the first full episode of wrestling that I ever watched. Yes. I am the most full circleist of full circle people. I love things having symbolic meaning to them. My 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 um alarm for the longest time was "Here Comes the Sun" by the Beatles because you because it has to there has to be thematic and symbolic resonance with me. Um, that sounds about right. It's one of those things that just gets me going, and so. <laughs> It really, really does it for you. So we are, so we are here. We are, we are taking a step back in time to back when Austin 
was but a a mere noob himself mm -hmm. um and we are we are revisiting the 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 time that that made austin a wrestling fan the moment so i i i would like to know um i guess even more so than anything else we've covered what is your what is your history here with with what brought you to this point um like this point like the podcast or no 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 no, no 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 the 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 two the watching this december 2011 episode okay. of Smackdown. 2011 all right so i'm sure i told this in like the first episode of this podcast please don't yeah, go look that up <laughs> but and i i made mention a little bit of it when we did our uh wwe live event episode because it ties into the to my to my personal origin story with wrestling mm. but basically my dad was a fan growing up he 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 would happily tell me all about like late 70s to early and early 80s wrestling you know his his all-time favorite wrestler is dusty Rhodes. if you want Ooh. an idea of like his time like what his time frame in wrestling was the american dream baby the american dream hot times daddy uh but daddy. but you know he did watch even up through the attitude era you know i think mm. he kind of he kind of fell off I don't really know when exactly he fell off, but I knew that he was, he knows the Attitude Era stuff. Yes. Uh, and so does my mom, sort of. And I think that's the important part of this story is in my mom's eyes, uh, wrestling is really fucking stupid. Hmm. <laughs> well, I'm not going to tell, say that my mom is wrong, <laughs> but I love it anyway. But okay. So in her mind, it was violent and dumb and not something that I ever should be exposed to. So hey. she told my dad, you are not going to try to get him into this. Uh-oh. And so that, my only exposure to wrestling pre-2011 is we had a family, we had family friends in Cincinnati who every year or so we'd go to a Reds game up to, we'd stay at their house and go to a Reds game. Uh, and I want to say this was about 2007. I, I got a time that there, I remember going to this particular trip for two reasons. The other one being, it was my first introduction to guitar hero and that oh, changed no. my life in an entirely different way. Multiple uh, nexus points in Austin's personal history. Folks. Yeah. So 2007 sounds about right in my head, 2006, 2007, something like that. Um, we happened to be there and I caught a glimpse of an episode of Friday night Smackdown, just being on television at the time. I didn't mm -hmm. sit down and watch any of it, but I remember seeing like the, episode intro or yeah. either that or like a women's match i distinctly remember michelle mccool who i now know okay. is michelle mccool uh but also uh at this at uh, this family friend's house they had an xbox 360 hell yeah early adopter p i was also that uh my <laughs> xbox three i mean my xbox 360 was one of the first models was one of like the original Jesus. models of the console uh um uh but he had a SmackDown versus Raw game that I dicked around with uh -oh. a little bit. And I wish I uh -oh. could remember which one it was. I think it was SVR 07. 
but it could be something else. But it could be another one. They, they, I, I don't remember enough about it to tell you specifically which one it was. But that didn't, it didn't, it didn't stick with me at all. I just remember that I did. I have, I, I've seen, uh, I've, I, I, I have briefly played a wrestling video game hmm. well before I ever got into wrestling. But 2011 was the real big point. Is um, my dad uh, won tickets to a WWE house show in Huntington, West Virginia. It's about 30 minutes from where I live, um, or I lived. Uh, and he won tickets in a radio call-in contest. Uh. You know, call-in trivia, awesome. you know, all that yeah. shit. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so he won two tickets, and he asked if I wanted to go. And I said, sure. <laughs> uh, this was in November 2011. Uh, I know this because the, the main event angle was basically Alberto Del Rio was the WWE champion. So we're talking weeks before he loses the belt to CM Punk at Survivor Series. Oh, uh, shit. But the shtick was is that he had to defend against CM Punk and John Cena both in the same night. So the, the show that ended the first half of the show before they go to intermission was CM Punk versus Alberto Del Rio. And the main event was CM Punk, uh, excuse me, uh, Alberto Del Rio versus John Cena. Um, and Del Rio won, but well, I guess he was a heel. He, at he that cheated. Point. And little, yeah, yeah. It, heels win on house shows if they have the belts. So yes. he, you know, he wins by DQ. He, he, I think he, I guess he technically loses by DQ, but he retains the titles, both matches. But at the end of the show, John Cena and CM Punk run off Alberto Del Rio and Ricardo Rodriguez. And then after the show, as he does every time that he's in West Virginia, John Cena sent the crowd home singing, take me home country roads. Oh my God. That's, that's perfectly on brand for Cena and it sounds unbearably dorky. Yes. To both accounts. Yes. And so, I don't remember a lot of the bit, the individual matches. I remember being like, holy shit, this Mark Henry guy is huge. <laughs> uh, I remember that. I remember being like, damn, this Seamus guy's kind of badass. But, you know, I, I didn't form a ton of opinions on, I, I enjoyed my the time, obviously. Yeah. But I didn't, it wasn't like, and then it was at this moment. Yes. <clears throat> Not true. That wasn't truly where it started. Uh, where it really is started is then for my, that same year for my birthday, I asked for the newest WWE video game, which uh -oh. was WWE 12. Were they not 2K at that point? No, this was still THQ. La Ooh. Last couple of games of the THQ era. Wow. And uh, I will always, I will praise the fuck out of that game. And it's, and I, and I would like to hold that it's not just nostalgia. A lot of people are saying that WWE 12 is a good game. What's, what about it is like, is a, is a standout. What, what was like the big. I think the real standout for me was, I think the story mode because the universe, the universe mode, which is basically like booking simulator uh, yeah. was fun. But also as a noob, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? What is this? What, yeah. is this? what really hooked me was the road to WrestleMania story mode. 
where basically they actually normally what they did in these modes was like you control run one wrestler for a three month arc from Royal Rumble to the to WrestleMania, the mm -hmm. road to WrestleMania. Uh, but in WWE 12, they did basically three wrestlers of six month arcs continuing through the calendar. Uh, basically, you first start the story playing as a heel Sheamus who aligns himself with Drew McIntyre, Wade Barrett, and William Regal to form the United Kingdom. Oh, my and God. Basically, an evil heel stable that wins all the belts in WWE. As, as they should, given that fucking lineup. Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. And then that storyline ends at WrestleMania. The, the 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 United Kingdom implodes, and the main event of WrestleMania is a four-way match between all of them, and the winner gets every single belt. <laughs> Yo, that sounds sick. God, why couldn't that have been a real life angle? Jesus. They even they even take the time to animate like after you win the match, they have they have a cutscene of the referee literally draping Sheamus with every title in WWE. What the fuck? Jesus. Really, bro, it was top star Sheamus over here. What the fuck? Mhm. Mm and then you immediately cut into the next story arc where Triple H comes and immediately cashes in his royal rumble winner in the bank contract and becomes wwe champion i'm sorry what his royal rumble winner in the bank well that's he triple h wins the royal rumble but then he's not involved in the title match at mania until after the four-way after sheamus wins all the belts then he's like all right i'm getting my title match now uh what what that Okay, never mind. I'm happy. I'm very happy this story didn't happen, Arrow, because that's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, so then you get six months of playing as Triple H leading to SummerSlam, where basically The Miz becomes the evil GM of Raw, of SmackDown, excuse me, and he has the Miz fits, which is basically like the SmackDown mid-carters. It was like it was like Dolph Ziggler, Jack Swagger, Kane, R-Truth, randy orton edge like they're all I, subservient to the miz and you just beat the shit out of them for six months like there are so many one-on-three brawls that you have to win this is triple h barry's smackdown the storyline why that's such a that's such a first of all that's such a flimsy fucking excuse to get all those dudes together into like a, a gauntlet over six months for Triple H to face off against, but also like, what? Why the fuck? Is, so they have a match for the Money in the Bank contract where it is five of the Misfits and Triple H, and Triple H would have won the match except Edge showed up and stole the briefcase as a sixth participant, as a seventh participant. But it was explicitly like a one-on-five Money in the Bank match, and Triple H still would have won, except for shenanigans. What the fuck, dude? How? What, why does Triple H get to be the special boy here? Because it's all about the game and how you play it. So oh after that storyline is <laughs> over, Triple H wins the WWE title back from The Miz. And he's like, I'm retiring. And then you cut. Then you get a six-month arc of Jacob Cass, a completely original character, 
portrayed as the winner of NXT season whatever back when NXT still had seasons. NXT season. Don't think about it. And he basically gets roped into an arc where Kevin Nash tries to engineer the takeover of the WWE to bring back WCW. (sighs) And using all of the finest WCW wrestlers that THQ could have the rights, the license, like the licensing to. Oh, I'm sure that was a star-studded lineup. It was. The the WCW Invasion crew was Kevin Nash. And remember, this is taking place in vaguely 2013 or 2014 yes uh kevin nash booker t vader road warrior animal (laughs) um (laughs) man that star power went down real quick and then to fill out the lineup because there's only four of these guys they have cody rhodes big show and ray mysterio turn heel and join wcw fuck you told me about this oh no this is the ray this is the the ray mysterio heel turn because isn't like ray mysterio your mentor yes and then he turns on you yep that's awful i hate and then and then there's a match at wrestlemania winner gets uh, Triple H comes out of retirement to tag team with Jacob Cass against Kevin Nash and Rey Mysterio and oh. Nash and Mysterio win and for a month Raw is now WCW Nitro but then they have a, a Oh seven, no, the worst timeline but then they have a 7 on 7 elimination war games match at Starcade to determine the final forever owner and you beat Kevin Nash and win and you've saved WDWE. What the fuck is that game? That is the most insane like alternate timeline WWF I've ever heard. I guess at that point WWE I've ever heard of. What? I, I want to know if all of the games, all of the like WWE story modes from all their games can fit into like one cohesive um uh canon I ultimate universe world think i want to i want to i i thought about trying to work these out once because i've since gone back and played the other svr games yeah and i'm like can i make all of the svr storylines take place simultaneously in the same like, universe at the very like least. can yeah. that fit <laughs> i don't think so but basically SVR, when they did Road to WrestleMania, they're like, fuck it, we're going crazy. I don't want to ramble anymore on this. But basically my point is that like getting to actually play as these characters in this game and see mm-hmm. them more often made me be like, damn, I actually want to actually watch the TV show. And so at the end of the year, uh, in December of 2011, I, I, I picked up, I, I, I like came downstairs that week on For Raw like at the very end of the show. I didn't I didn't mm. watch Raw that week. But I did wow. I was there long enough to see Alberto Del Rio cutting a promo from a wheelchair because he was injured. And uh there to see Zack Ryder get dragged to hell by Kane. Literally like uh, did they permadeath Zack Ryder? No, but he did oh. go through but there was a hole in the ring and it glowed red and Kane's arm came out and he dragged Zack Ryder through the hole. What so is Zag Ryder what? absolutely went to hell? What the 
How, and this is unmasked Kane too, isn't no, it? No, this is this is no, this is mask Kane. He is now embraced the hate. Oh yeah. Oh yay. Okay, good. So it's not it's not second worst Kane. But also, what huh? Huh? That's a weird man, that's almost as weird an angle to throw as any of the shit you told me from the video game. Almost. Almost. Yeah, it was, it was it was it was all part of Kane trying to get at John Cena and get him to embrace the hate and his way oh, of doing that is angle. to beat and up his friends. Zack Ryder got involved because he's part of the League of Cena friends. Yep. Wow. That's that's bizarre. Yeah, but after that, uh that week on SmackDown, I decided to watch we I I watched the full episode and I rem- and I very much remember the, I know this is the first episode I watched because I very much remember the main event angle of the show. Okay. I mean, I'm not gonna tell it. Oh no! Spo- oh, going, we're not spoiled. We, I am, I am. We are going into this like I did in 2011, not knowing a fucking thing about what's happening. Damn, that's that's so. That's we really are checking this out through fresh eyes. So, so we are. Th- these are the eyes of, uh, of, 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 of a lad who mm-hmm. had been teased about the art form via a house show and a video game, and it was time to finally fully embrace the madness. Yep. I. I'm excited. I, I obviously earlier was given my rant. I was be, I was being facetious a little bit, sh- shockingly. Um, I I I have obviously come to very much love wrestling, despite the existential pain that it brings me on a regular basis yeah. to be a wrestling fan. Um, but I, I, I was fa- gonna... you go, gonna no, go, on, go on ahead. Oh, uh, okay. I was I, yeah. You finish. I was just fascinated to know, like, wh- I know my history that has led me to this point in my very unique perspective. I came into, I came into being a wrestling fan at, at like what, 23 years old, um, pretentious media analyst asshole that I am. And with, so, so uh, with, with a, with, with like this kind of slightly older adult perspective, this, this slightly more kind of like jaded by bad media perspective, um, and that, that's obviously shaped my fandom to an extent, although wrestling has been successful in being one of those things that actually sometimes can get me to turn my brain off and just mark out. Um, mm-hmm. But you you were you, you got into this in 2013 as a as like a, as a or 2011 as a teenager. Yes. That is a that is a vastly different perspective. It is. And, and we, we both have have extremely unique perspectives of when we got into wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Then most people, most people, like they find it as kids because it's, yeah, they're the I mean, Curtises of the world, right? They they yeah. kind of discover it when they're younger. Um, yeah, and they either stick with it because they're insane, or yeah. <laughs> because they're, they hate themselves, or they grow out of it by the age of like twelve. Basically, that that point where like you realize wrestling is not actual fighting. You know, yeah. it goes it goes one of two ways. I you know that's when a lot of people are like, all right, I'm out. Hey Ma, we got ripped off. We got ripped off. Um, but I I'm coming into it from the perspective of always having known it was fake. Yeah. Uh, in fact, um, I will say though, is that before I understood how wrestling worked, I did know it was fake. 
but I didn't understand how it was fake. And by that, I mean, like somewhere in my child brain, I thought like when they talk about like the matches are fixed, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, do they just like, in my mind, I was like, they like roll a roulette wheel and that's how they decide who wins matches. (laughs) Honestly, I'd love to book a show that way. That would be fucking hilarious. Like, that was my, like, dumb kid understanding of how wrestling worked, is that I get it's fake, but the concept that they're, like, telling stories and having storylines, not a chance. Didn't get that. I was like, what the fuck? And he's like, roll the wheel, and that's how they decide who wins? See, that's better than my understanding. I don't know, like, kind of when I realized that wrestling kayfabe was a thing. It might have been, like, I think it was because of you. Because I had never really paid attention to pro wrestling previously. I I think it was because of you. It was you who introduced the concept of kayfabe to me. Mm-hmm. I had heard the con- I had heard it said before that wrestling was fake, but I heard it in the context of I, I remember specifically hearing that in the context of the fucking Diary of a Wimpy Kid movie, where like Greg signs up for okay. wrestling class and, and thinking it's gonna be like WWE and his gym teacher just and and his gym teacher you know runs a wrestling club that's like real wrestling real amateur wrestling and greg's so like wait child, this, so this is the child friendly version of the south park joke yeah it, literally the they literally thing. just did the south park joke i don't know which came first actually um but it's like yeah it, it, greg's like where's all the cool like moves and his coach just goes that is fake wrestling and what i thought that meant as like a middle schooler was just oh this is a dude who's like super pretentious about like the the like craft of of like old school technical wrestling that like the flashy stuff is not like like he just calls him. it he just like he just calls yeah it i thought it was like i dick. thought it was like a thing that like bitter like 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 bitter traditionalists for the og type of wrestling like griped mm-hmm. about i didn't realize it meant it was actually like predetermined i don't think it was until like college when you introduced me to the idea of kayfabe that i actually understood how the fuck it worked incredible we we nailed it um yeah asshole but yeah um i i was gonna say i was i, I kind of intended to do this before we talked about tonight's episode but like from my end doing this podcast, um, I it's been great getting to share wrestling with friends. This mm-hmm. that is a luxury I have not had often, you know. In yeah. in in high school, everyone who that was very much a I'm not gonna talk about it thing. Yeah. No, I I now it's weird to me because like two guys who were a couple grades above me in high school. I went to a Christmas party that they were at and they just like chatted me up about wrestling. Cause I wore a John Cena, uh, Christmas sweater. And I was like, where the fuck were you when I was in high school? Where Bro, the what the hell? I needed friends. Get fuck out of here. Yeah, it's bullshit. Uh, but like in high school, I kind of understood that everyone thinks this is stupid and fake and dumb. So yes, keep that under grat under, fake under wraps. Yeah, no, I don't think I've ever. I don't think I have experienced the people who like call wrestling gay. No, uh, which I no, guess is like a good thing. Colloquial, yeah. No, 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 no. We, we, we are only friends with the people who call wrestling gay in the good way. No, no, that's what I meant. Is like, yeah, 
is like that that's a super common thing that people hear about wrestling as a stupid as like a as like a a pejorative about wrestling but i actually never yeah. got that like it was all about like oh, face. this is fake watch mma <laughs> that's that's all uh, i ever experienced the boring person's pro wrestling yeah i watched one mma show once just for shits and giggles and i'm like this sucks I'm sure it's like entertaining from a technical standpoint. Yeah, if you get if you like, get it, I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna bash anyone who actually likes MMA. If you get yeah. it, I'm sure it's very no. You're fucking boring. Fuck you. Watch wrestling like a real no man. no 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 no. But like, <laughs> I was definitely extremely bored uh, when I tried to watch MMA. Uh, That's fair. But in college, I had roommates who didn't like it. I had roommates who were like, "That's neat. That's cute." Uh, you know, I had I've had a couple of I went to a, to like a wrestling show with a couple of dudes before, as and they were just because they just like heard me ramble about it. I David is unfortunately not the first person who's had to live with this. Um, <laughs> Wait, there there were others. I am the David. David's the just one... the um, David just the only one who stuck around. Oh God, this is like oh God. This, I feel like the fucking, like, in a fucking, like, horror sci-fi movie, the mad scientist who tries to, like, take people and, like, make them into his perfect whatever, and all of them break on the way, but then he finds the one who actually takes to mm -hmm. the experimentation. That's me. I am the, I, I am the, 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 the non-reject variant of, yeah. of the people Austin has tried to convert. You know, like... Since my first year of college, I have gotten, I have not run, encountered any people who like adamantly think wrestling is fucking stupid. And will, in <laughs> fact, that's better. That's better than me. And will in fact not, and will tell me to my face that it's stupid. Like I, most of my friends through college definitely knew I watched wrestling. I never tried to hide it, Didn't but it was like the closet about it. No, and they were like, "That's neat. I'm I'm glad that you like that." National <laughs> coming that out today. No, national coming out today. Mom, went. Dad, I'm a wrestling fan. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Have you ever tried not being a wrestling fan? Have you ever, have you ever tried not being a fucking Mark? <laughs> yeah, you're damn right. <laughs> yeah. So like. David is the first person I've ever like converted to actually watching wrestling. <laughs> Again, the non-reject variant. Yeah. And this besides getting to actually share that with somebody, it's it's been fun actually like giving myself an excuse to like act to actually watch old wrestling because it's that thing I've thought about before. I think one time I got in my head like, fuck it, I'm going to watch all the Raws from the beginning. And I actually did get through 1993 before I gave fuck? up. So I have a, D a, a, a deeper knowledge than I would like about 1993 <laughs> WWF. <laughs> um, Just the year broadly. Yeah, so, but I've, you know, it's it's a lot. It's a lot to parse through. It's a lot to, you know watch uh but for this podcast getting to like experience these things at you know as the week-to-week -week thing whether it be pr doing prep work for the episodes or doing the episodes uh that's been a lot of fun for me and i i i adore how we accidentally came upon our format for this show that was 
basically like i'm gonna sampler platter david to start yeah yeah. And we were like, this was this was a lot of fun this way. What if we kept doing it? Pretty much. It and was kind of a stumble into sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there have been arcs that I appreciated getting to, like, see for the first time in my own eyes instead of the internet perspective yeah. on an arc. Like, the Summer of Punk was like that. Um, the Custody of Dominic <laughs> has been oh a lot my like God. that. The Underfaker was that. Um, arc, getting arcs where I'm just reliving my own personal experiences. That has been yeah. every modern arc except the Summer of Punk. Pretty much. Which, yeah, because Summer of Punk is like the one pre... Me, right. Yeah. Admittedly, that's because it's easier for me to plan arcs that I already know the general plot beats for. Entirely <laughs> fair. Entirely fair. Um arcs that i never would have tried to watch otherwise like um tommy dreamer versus the sandman the coliseum home videos katie vick katie fucking vick yeah i was waiting for you to say that one yeah and even then our individual episodes have gotten a chance to kind of me to just find moments in time and little random wrestling moment and little random wrestling um companies and episodes that i again would otherwise probably not have watched do was my life better for having watched wrestlelicious i don't think so but i'm glad to know the answer i, I mean i it, it is it is fascinating to see what lays on the other side both for, for for both the good and bad for various reasons i mean as much as i am a giant like proponent uh i'm a giant fucking grumbly grump about like the media i consume and you know i'm a giant like art house snob mm-hmm. and i gotta think about everything way too deeply yada yada i do i appreciate like diving into the the the, the bad media as it were because it, it it helps you understand what makes the good media good essentially it mm-hmm. it, it basically gives you a sense of perspective like fu- wrestlelicious was fucking dumb and 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 weird and insulting and painful to watch but like i could think of no better way to lead into the women's revolution than to see like yeah you know how bad like wwe wwe diva eras uh divas era got it gets even it, it can get it even could worse, be worse. Than this. it could be even worse like it's just this it's it, it's great for understanding it's it's so great to like juxtapose even if it seems obvious like it even the bad shit that we've covered i mean again one of my proudest moments on this podcast is like my conclusion of katie vick of like mm-hmm. this is this is horrible and that's you know fine mm-hmm. and it's okay to, to keep yeah, chugging the, along the, with wrestling as an art kind of, form. I, I, I appreciate the opportunity to get to like think about how these, because I think that's something that kind of gets lost sometimes in week to week wrestling watching is because nothing ever ends. There's yeah. never that moment to sit down and think about what ended. Like the part. Yeah. And, and like, and everything is, and the, and like, we also are in a world now where like, actually it's, it's always been like this. Like, it's the other problem with like that perspective on weekly watching is like everything is always constantly consumed by the discourse doing like the retrospectives allows you to kind of like 
put everything in a neat little box yeah. and consider it holistically rather than be being marred in it in the moment and having no idea what direction anything is going in. Oh, 100%. And yeah, you're right. It's always been like that, whether it was Twitter, the message boards, the or like wrestling just, observer just, newsletter. Yeah, you know, yeah, literally. There's always been really hardcore wrestling nerds yelling at each other about wrestling on to each other dear dave Meltzer, i'm having some serious concern about the prevalence <laughs> of flippy spots in wrestling matches please advise i mean if you if you know people talk about how like wrestling fans are fickle assholes who never like what's currently popular uh if you go back to the message boards in like 1998 they're like stone cold steve austin is stale as fuck push <laughs> triple h <laughs> push triple h oh no oh god oh oh they pushed triple h all right all the way to the fucking top year 2000 year 2000 you got people being like wwe you're fucking stupid for not building this company around around workhorses like kurt angle and chris benoit like this it never ends it's it's always been like this god and 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 it the the pain everyone everyone angry always the my favorite part of being a wrestling fan is the is the is the the community of people with just the most wonderful takes yeah so it's been nice having this space where i i don't i don't i i can't see i don't see what anyone online has to think about anything i'm watching it's just me add me my 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 annoying ass mm-hmm. voice is here butting in too, but you know, in in theory, in a vacuum, mm-hmm. it is just <laughs> yeah. So I to to kind of cap this off, like it's been a great ride, and now and for tonight, uh, I, I I do feel bad that we're doing this episode because I've had this planned in my head for a long long time, but yeah. also we're kind of overexposed <laughs> to this era of WWE right now. Like I think it's, after I think the it's AJ kind Lee of like thing, perfect. and after we had the the randomizer make us bring us back two. to basically just the the AJ Lee thing, but earlier, yeah. And we're doing the yes movement right now, though you could argue that it's a bit of a. If you were trying to argue there was a there was like a break point from the PG era to whatever era we're in right now, you could probably argue it's kind of transitions through that point in time. Yeah, it's I not. Could, I it it doesn't have the same feel or vibe as the earlier than 20, 2012 and before PGWWE. Yes. No, but I think I think visiting this era through the lens or revisiting this era once again through the but through the lens of um this is the very first wrestling thing you ever watched i think i think it can reframe because like you know i was i was giving you shit all throughout the aj lee storyline of like are you sure this is as good as you remember are you hey sure? man but like, i had i i gave you what you wanted by the end no you did you did no i i fully agree but like I feel like this, I think it'll be an interesting exercise to go into this with the, basically looking at it from your perspective in 2011, even more so than the AJ Lee storyline. It's because like where you came into this influenced your feelings about wrestling. And I mean, this is pretty close to where you brought me into wrestling. Uh, Obviously I, 
you know, didn't start watching until 2021, but, mm. uh, or I guess 2020, late 2020, but that, um, it's, it, it's, it was that era that is the very first thing I watched from it too. So I think, I think going back and, and looking at it from, okay, if this was somebody's very first episode of wrestling, what, what gets, what's the takeaway? What can you, what can you gain from? What did you gain from it? Yeah. What was I gaining from it when I watched something roughly this era as my first ever full wrestling episode? Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't know, just broadly, what does it say about, you know, how it's in, how our influence, how our perspectives have been influenced by just the way we came into it, where we, where we were when we came into it, where we are in our lives now, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and, uh, and I'll, and I'll be, you will, this, this is one of the nice things about dividing our show into two parts is, uh, you gave your perspective on the, on, you know, the the begin your origin and your side of kind of the inception of this podcast um in the front half when we get back i think i'll be giving my perspective on kind of where uh how i came into this um and how this mm -hmm. podcast came to be through through the lens of of mm -hmm. everything we just watched as it as it always should be the knockout of course going first with the coming in with the with a bit of that pre-knowledge and then uh the noob following it up to uh uh to kind of give that give that uh more fresh-eyed look i suppose yeah there was a more eloquent way to put that but god damn it i i i'm I, i'm just trying to have a good time here folks nailed it so Absolutely. So if you would like to watch this with us uh you can do so on peacock uh, TV, uh, NBC Universal's uh, streaming service. It's where WWE puts all of their content streaming-wise nowadays. Um, so we will be back in the back half to discuss the December 28th, 2011 episode of Friday Night SmackDown. Hell yeah. And we are back. We have just finished the December 30th, 2011 episode of SmackDown. Sorry, I know I said December 28th, in the front half but it's the you, last yeah, smackdown in 2011 that. it is easy to figure out <laughs> i yeah yes. i didn't i didn't even register mm -hmm. with me that well that would have been the wait no that wouldn't have even been the the last raw of 2011 that would have just mm -hmm. been a random day in 20 it would have been uh, the last dynamite of 2011 would have been on <laughs> December 28th. as we know aw dynamite fa famously up and running in 2011 yeah no i just I just forgot in my head when the last episode of SmackDown was, and I was like, "28th sounds right," but no, wait, it wasn't wasn't SmackDown on Thursdays and no, this we are this okay. is Fridays. Okay, they, okay, they have okay. moved around a lot. I don't, I don't, no, I, I respect your confusion, but no, this was Friday night because I remember seeing something with Thursday night SmackDown recently. It must have just gotten wires crossed in my head. I don't know if it was for this, if it was for the podcast, or did we watch um, a SmackDown recently? No, no, we haven't. We haven't watched the SmackDown in a hot second. No, but that might have been when you were thinking. Well, that's the last time. I don't know. I don't know. Either Thursdays. way, either, it was on Thursdays. The, it was on Thursdays the last time we watched a SmackDown, so that could be yes. It. All right, so we uh, we we did watch the final uh, SmackDown of 2011. 
and it begins i have to say uh it begins it's easy to forget sometimes uh that the 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 more the more you kind of get ingrained into like wrestling fandom and knowledge that the wwe moniker for the longest time if not still is slash was treat every show as if it's someone's first okay i Um, i wanted to bring that up because mm -hmm. i want to bring up actually want to talk about my thoughts on this like as a retrospective thing before we get deeper into this first of all I would like to tell you that I had some like unlocked memories from 2011 watching this back. Okay. I did not. <laughs> I'm oh. I'm bad at remembering things like that. It's nothing to do with this episode. I'm not <laughs> blaming the episode. I'm you're just... really dude, you're really happy every second. I was like, oh, unlocked memories, and you're like, no. no. <laughs> I the only thing I remembered about this episode coming into the episode was the last 30 seconds of the episode that we will get to eventually everything else did not remember a thing Uh, like there are certain certain storylines here that i vaguely remember happening at the time but in terms of like in like oh yeah i remember i watched that match then or what no it was the last 30 seconds and that's it which was enough to get me on this card are pretty forgettable they are but also i was i would not have known that i would have not come as a as a noob I would well, not have yes. thought of that at the time. Yes, uh, but like I'm just saying, it, it, in retrospect, the thing that hooked me on this show was the last thirty seconds. Yes. And oh, oh yeah. I believe you. Me. We're gonna talk about it when we get there. Also, I, had I will, that thought of like I have yeah. no doubt this hooked Austin like a motherfucker. Yeah, and I, I was gonna also agree with David about uh, this show more than like. Any show I can remember we've watched from this general era of time on this podcast was like, we are going to make sure that you know what the storyline coming in was. And it's yeah, like, I, I even if I didn't appreciate it at the time, I don't think there could have been a more perfect way to introduce me to wrestling in that, in that, con- in that context. Well, it's that, wild uh, too, because I don't... I this like that was the moniker of like treat every show like it's somebody's first and i was trying to think about that while watching this episode because it was you know your first and Mm -hmm. i i don't know how intentional this was i don't know how like um uh i i i don't know how much is is this me like projecting because i um um because i was specifically looking for it slash i don't know how much of this is actually like really fucking standard and we just in other episodes take for granted how standard it is because we're not looking for it and we're already kind of in the know but there were a lot of things not just for the main story on this episode but there were a lot of little things i caught that are actually like really great little like unspoken respectively subtle ways to kind of like tell a first time audience member kind of some of how this works. Yeah. This, this to me is someone who has obviously watched more of this era and even for this podcast uh, and without watching this podcast, I've, I've had times where I'm like, I'm going to rewatch 2012. Um, mm-hmm. This felt, it felt atypical that they would do this much like video recaps for stuff it wasn't just video though i'll get into it more as we get more into the episode but like it wasn't just video there were a lot of like subtle little things Mm -hmm. that were like that were like 
little back doors into knowledge of how some yeah. of this is goes. Yeah, that feels. Yeah, that feel. It, it felt more like trying to be friendly to a new to a new member than I remember mm-hmm. this era usually being, and I really like that actually. Yeah, you know, I I have no problem with kind of wrestling shows treating it as like this could be someone's first show. Yeah. And it can even be like a helpful recap for someone who hasn't watched yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it yeah. was, I don't think the way they did it was intrusive at all in ways no. that like it's, there was no like obnoxious long raw recap that has been a thing we've seen yeah. all the time. They, they make it so ham fisted so much of the time, but this mm-hmm. like, I was just, I, I was never rolling my eyes. I was just kind of the whole time like, yeah, no, that's a good way to to introduce us to like this thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why it was this episode in particular. If it was just a fluke, if it was because it was like the New Year's Eve episode, it's the holiday like, episode, so we're phoning it in. Episode. Yeah, and like we're tra- and we know like we're gonna get some extra eyes on this. So like, let's mm-hmm. make extra special sure that sure. people can like. It's a whole, it's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but regardless, um, jumping into the episode itself. So we we immediately open, yeah, with a video package detailing the evidently quite nasty rivalry, extremely personal rivalry between Wade Barrett and Randy. The Barrett Mo- Barrage. Wait, the Barrage, yeah. Like. Messing messing with the Viper, Randy Orton. Uh, and th- things have apparently gotten so heated that they're tonight gearing up to have a Balls count everywhere match. Yeah, was uh, like this. This feels this was like the peak of Wade Barrett as a serious. Yeah, to I was people. gonna say like he had a big splash as the leader of the Nexus when he debuted in 2010, but the Nexus was tainted by John Cena beating the fuck out of them for months on end. Yeah, so the Nexus got buried as fuck for some reason. But in 2011, you know, they're st- they still got big. Like it was it, Wade Barrett was the first winner of NXT, and it felt like they had big plans for him. And I think if he he has a lot of injury problems in his career, that kind of leads them to be like, I don't, we don't think we can trust you to to be a top guy. But it feels like if he had stayed healthy, he would have been a world champion in WWE. And like in 2011, Wade Barrett is rolling. <laughs> Yeah, I th- that's what's wild to me is like these days, who the fuck is Wade Barrett? But here, like, he is not only in an intensely personal match with like an uh, intensely personal feud with top star Randy Orton, but he is throughout this whole thing constantly getting pushed to be like at Orton's level and in some cases almost easily besting Orton, which mm-hmm. is insane to see considering the trajectory of both of these men's careers. Yeah. It's, 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 it's honest. It's fun to re to remember the days when Wade Barrett was like everyone's pick to be the next big thing in WWE. Like he he was, yeah, he was a dude that like the wrestling smarks and nerds on the internet liked him too. Oh, wow. So this was definitely like if he could have stayed healthy, man. Yeah. Everybody liked that. If he could have stayed healthy, Roman Reigns, who? Yeah. <laughs> what a ba- like- what a Barrett Barros him into the ground is what he would have done. <laughs> True. What fucking fucking bloodline 
Nah, man. We're all about the T-line over We're here doing in the United. We'll do the United Kingdom from WWE 12. Yes. I fucking wish. No, um, yeah, but they're doing a really good job of pushing the fact these are two men on equal standing. They So they're, they're gearing up to have a false count everywhere match. And it kind of didn't fully register with me at first. But something I realized is, like, they're playing as they're announcing this false count everywhere match, they're playing um, uh, footage of Barrett and Orton, like having a wild duke it out in like a garage. And at first I'm like, Oh yeah. False count everywhere. That makes sense. And then I thought, I'm like, wait, no, the false count everywhere match hasn't happened yet. Why is there already footage of them fighting in a garage? Hold up. That was, that was from a different time. They fought each other and fought each other in a garage. Yeah. So I, I guess this one isn't, all that unique but you know still cool i guess and i mean having archive footage like that is good for showing like a first time viewer what the fuck a falls count ever match look like and the video ends with and only one may see 2012 long pause in one Uh, piece piece. (laughs) cheesy as hell but honestly overall sick fucking opening video package Mm -hmm. and again like as a cold open it's a really good way of drawing someone in like immediately off the bat Boom. Here's like, our main bam. Event. Check out these two badasses fighting each other. Well, guess what? They're going to fight again later tonight. This this card was like actually pretty fully booked and announced ahead of time, which is Crazy. also wild to think about. But yeah, mm-hmm. here's our main event. Here's why it's important. And here's some of the cool shit you can vaguely expect to happen. Like, yeah, great, great start. The, fuck. Okay, great way to pull you in. Uh, And then, oh, hi, Green Day. Do you know the enemy? This that was I definitely appreciate. Always appreciate the Green Day entrance. Oh yeah, no, I can imagine Small Austin's like, wait, they have Green Day. That's cool. Green man, this is cool. Green Day does the song. (laughs) Does the song on SmackDown? Nothing more countercultural. Yeah. Um. I okay. Two thousand eight Green Day. Very countercultural, of course. True. Oh fuck yeah. You you when you write you write. No. Um. Okay. How long did they have the the Do You Know the Enemy song for? Couple years there, I think. I think it was like the last SmackDown before they. I think it was the last SmackDown theme before they rebranded everything, and when they did went to Raw three hours and they started to then now forever and all that. Actually, I could look that up because if you go on the pay, if you go on like the Wikipedia page for WWE SmackDown, you can look up like what the theme song was. Okay, they had. Know Your Enemy from October 2010 to October 2012. October, okay, that's what I feel like. I, um, uh, I feel like I'd heard the Do You Know the Enemy one before, but I also felt like I'd seen different graphics with it. But I could just be like, Yeah, we did, we did get, we did get some of New Year, Know Your Enemy when we were doing the Love Square because we did do stuff from SmackDown. Okay, yeah. Uh, was it all the same like opening graphics and stuff? They feel like they didn't change, but like maybe they, they might have made minor changes that I just didn't notice. Honestly, the only part I ever remember is um, when they you do the lyric, you'll be blinded by the light in your eyes, and they cut to Randy Orton with the glowing snake eyes. Like that's the only Ooh. part of those I ever remember they did. But that's I was like, ah, they did yeah, the that, lyric. That, that's super fucking. Ah, uh, hey, yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's actually really nice. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, and then we go to the, the, the episode proper and it's, they, they, they tell us that this is being filmed in WWE HD. 
which is that's opposed a weird, to normal I don't, HD, I they suppose. They transitioned to HD four years prior to this. Why are they talking it up? Well, uh, I maybe they've developed in those four years their own specially branded WWE HD. Oh, of course. Is, Why didn't I think of that? Yeah, which clearly is is specially developed to allow Vince to see every bit of glisten on each wrestler's super oily body. And also probably to make Vince look 10% sexier whenever he's on screen. Anyway. Oh, of course. So we yeah. opened the show with Booker T. I was like, all right. Yeah. Oh, uh, we do. When we get like kind of a broad crowd shot, shout out to the person who made like a sign in portrait orientation made to look like Seamus's head. Nice. Like the bottom half is like Seamus face and the top half is just orange for his big ass spiky hair. I thought yeah. that was cute. But yeah. yeah, can you dig it, sucker? Yeah, as, as was made obvious by the promo they would proceed to cut, right now Booker T and Cody Rhodes are having are finishing up a small feud with each other over the Intercontinental Championship. Yes, that and as... Does, uh, that does uh, end in the match they have the next week. That's the end of oh, the story. That's so. I'm almost surprised by that. Yeah, no, uh, mm-hmm. as Booker's making his way to the ring, they're encouraging that you live-tweet the show, How Do You Do Fellow Kids?, Hey, man. Don't tell me what to do. Yeah, so the thing is, is on Raw that week, Booker T faced Cody Rhodes one-on-one and beat him in a non-title yes. match. Yeah, no, and he's, he's, and I guess it was supposed to be like Booker's farewell match or something like that. Um, Booker's like, I've had a great year. I was in the 2011 Rumble, and, you know, I had a solid match with Cody Rhodes, and, you know, I, I'm on, I'm on, like, commentary now which is great but also fuck michael cole i hate michael cole i love that man that was that was hilarious well this is one of those times where i kind of thought and realized like that is actually a perfect way to introduce a first-time watcher to the concept of a heel commentator like Mm -hmm. the fact that the commentators are their own characters and they cannot get along and you know some some of them are bastard men like oh yeah like that's a great way to tell someone who's completely unfamiliar because like you had never seen a show with commentary before you'd seen no. you'd been to a house show so like did, did that i i know you said you didn't unlock any memories but did do you think at all that was like an indicator to you of like oh they can they can also be part of this whole like shebang i i might have been a little confused by the remark but i think i, I would have picked up on it as time went on because yeah. Cole was all was never subtle in being in an Cole's, asshole Cole's always in, in so if i so so if it's, a, if, it's a, if it was a child i was like what do you why do you hate michael cole i'm sure by the end of the show I was like oh i get it oh oh that's why <laughs> fuck michael cole i agree you're right yeah. so so then adrenaline Man. in my soul Something smoking mirrors cody Rhodes. yeah smoking mirrors cody Rhodes. yeah uh we're not quite at adrenaline in my soul cody Rhodes, just yet but yeah and Cody Rhodes comes out holding the IC belt. And I kind of like, wait, Booker beat Cody in a match last week and didn't walk away with the IC belt. Now, man, what WWE the did their favorite thing in the world where they have the contender for a title beat the champion in a non-title match to get a title match. Well, except like in this case, there wasn't supposed to be a title match. It was, it was just Booker beats Cody, but not for the belt. Yeah, that, 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 that. Yeah, um, I just want to say because Cody starts recapping, talking about his recapping his year, mm-hmm. and he talks about overcoming a career-threatening injury. I want to point this out. That's total horseshit. Oh, he 
it was part of a storyline where he had a facial injury and so he started wearing a full face mask yeah, and as if he was an like ugly, ugly monster version of smoke and mirrors like song yeah that was that's what he's talking about is he's yeah talking about his very not career threatening facial injury they gave cody like a weird like vanity angle which was funny yeah, because he was dashing yeah. Cody Rhodes, and then he gets injured in the face and has to wear a face mask. And he's like, "Oh no, I'm, I'm ugly. ugly. That I'm I'm ugly. My career is over. <laughs> no, 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 no one less than a ten has ever gotten over in in wrestling. Correct, fact. correct. It's, yeah, it's, no, his career is done. That's how that works. He also uh, lampshades the uh, or not. I guess not lampshades. He just he talks about. Um, the angle he had with Ray for uh, WrestleMania 11, which or 2011, which I've actually heard of that before. I actually heard Cody talking about it. Apparently, it was like Ray is like, "Hey, Cody, you want to do a thing for WrestleMania?" And Cody's like, "Uh, uh, sure." And then sure. Ray brings into Vince's door, like bangs on it, is like, "Hey, Vince, Cody and I are gonna do something for WrestleMania." And Vince is like, "I agree. Yep. That's that's, that's great. one less thing I that have works, to think of. Works for me. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yep." Uh, and Cody's like, and yeah, so they fought on Raw this same week and talk about it. So the soft brand split is indeed going hard right now. Yeah, of course. And Cody tries to completely recontextualize what happened on Raw with, yes. and then I took a washed up announcer and I got him to reach back and regain some of his former glory. Oh, please. Cody yeah, was Cody's just doing on... Booker a kindness, if you think about it. Yeah, Cody's like, Booker should be thanking me, and then Booker basically just goes, no you. Nah, he's like, hey, Cody, I beat you on Monday, and if you had any respect for this business, yeah, you would be, you would congratulate me on doing a good job and having a good match. And, and Cody's <laughs> like, Cody's, Cody's like, actually, no, you're right. He says congrats and reaches out a hand to shake. And I'm sure this is going to be played super straight and there will be no shenanigans whatsoever. Yeah. So he's, he's like, I don't want to come off like a bitter jerk. So sure. So they uh -huh. shake hands. And then he, and then his Booker is about to leave and go back to commentary. Cody's like, of course, this is now all over. And Booker's like, what do you mean? And Cody's like, this little fairy tale. Hasn't anyone told you? And Cody's like, you're a nostalgia act now, man. And, you have two choices. You can come back into the ring and you'll be exposed for the for your age, or you can go back on commentary and your whole legacy will die because you're a joke. Yeah, which uh, Booker somehow does not respond to that with "Tell me, I did not just hear that," but he his face sure fucking says it. And then Cody tells Booker to do it to that. To he tells Booker to do everyone a favor and go home, and then. Well, no, 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 no. Okay, so at one point, so before he says that, um, he calls Booker semi-literate, which yeah, semi -literate. I said this before Cody Rhodes saw the light and defeated racism personally. This is back. Yeah, to this, the, is, this is Cody this Rhodes. Co it's part. it's you know it's 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 nice to see personal growth. Like it's, we've went from Cody <laughs> Rhodes calling a black man on commentary semi-literate semi-literate and to going all the way to the time to where he had a mixed race baby and therefore solved all He's racism forever racism. The, 
I'm so glad that that Cody Rhodes graced us all with the, with his presence in this world and and solved racism once and for all after making a few flubs on the way, like calling Booker T semi literate. What the fuck, Cody? Uh, also. Yeah, so Cody says Booker go home, and I had to take note of someone in the crowd yelling back, "You go home, Cody." <laughs> they were really proud. Whoever that was, they were really proud of that one. Yeah, and then out comes Gold Dust. Yeah. Okay. Well, Gold Dust in theory, because out this, this, this has got to be the worst possible introduction to Gold Dust I could have ever had. I know. Like it's basically. It's like gold dust, but he's it, like, it, it's it's gold dust, but make it normal SpongeBob meme. Like he walks out, no makeup, in a suit. Hi, how are you? We have yeah, corporate I, I, Dustin Rhodes. I, here. Yeah, I, I think at this point he was a backstage producer and not wrestling anymore. Yeah. So yeah. he now just comes out as Dustin, but he keeps the gold dust music. So weird. I guess it's what gets the pop. He's also, he's also where he is wearing a gold tie though, a gold pattern tie. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it is, it is funny though, because Dustin's out here in a full suit. Cause he's, I guess, corporate backstage. Um, Booker is out here in a full suit. Cause he's planning on just getting on commentary. Once this site. Is over. Cody is out here for some reason in his full gear. So, like, Mo, a significant portion of wrestlers do not own regular clothing. <laughs> they just yeah. show up in their the gear. same shit as like Marty Jannetty in the last Coliseum video. Just we have we the internet has memed on the fact that Randy Orton has not worn pants in twenty years. Plenty. <laughs> Randy's just like I fucking hate wearing pants, man. Yep. Randy wears his Randy wears his his uh his in ring tights everywhere. Actually, just around mm-hmm. the house when he goes to bed. They, they never they never come off. It's kind of a problem. We try to talk to him about it. I mean, all I mean, all if you want an AW example, Pac never wears clothes. He this he, is true. He cuts promos out in the street in the rain in his full and his in his wrestling gear. Well, <laughs> yelling at people. He is he is the bastard after all. That's that's what mm-hmm. you that's what you got to Pac you're like I'm just imagining I don't know why I got this image in particular, but I'm just imagining Pac is like an uh, a DoorDash driver and he like comes to your door in, in the gear. gear. And and it's like holding out your food. He's like, in case you don't know who I am, I am the bastard. <laughs> And I am here to deliver your Panera. Thank you for the tip. <laughs> Thank you. Have a great day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So, but yeah, so Cody's out here evidently too poor to own street clothes or whatever. I guess, I guess those down payments on gear really take a lot out of you. It's um, rough, man. Uh, but basically corporate Dustin is out here to defend corporate Booker's honor. Yeah, but Dustin talks about how, like, when he was at his worst and he was battling his demons, you know, Booker was there for him and took him under his wing. And he's like, the best time, some of the best time of my life was when I was tag teaming with Booker T. Yeah, no, he, uh, I, I, I didn't know they had tagged before, I don't think. Yes, we, we caught the, ta- when we, we had, when we were at Katie Vick, that was right after they stopped being a consistent tag team together. Wait, they tag team together in 
the the ruthless aggression. I assume that was yes. a WCW thing. No, 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 no. They were never in WCW together. No, there we are talking. There, 2003 WWE was when they were tagging together. Oh shit! Wait, did they do a thing together for the 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 casino? Uh, the, the for the Vegas episode was that them together? Because I remembered Goldust being on that episode, but I can't remember. No, I don't think I don't think they interacted. I think it was just Truth? Goldust I don't know. the. I think it was just Goldust doing the doing the uh, the uh, showgirl stuff. I don't think Booker T interacted with. Oh him. yeah, it was it was a singles match against Regal. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess they tagged together in the Fed in the ruthless aggression era. That's wild. Um, yeah, you. They, they were a fun comedic duo. It was a lot of Goldust just doing random weird shit and Booker T being like, "The hell is wrong with you? <laughs> you do you, man." Yeah. Um. So, but. Dustin's like, yeah, what, Cody, what the fuck? Please check yourself. And Cody's like, actually, you're a joke too. And also, so is everybody else in this building. Fuck all of you. No, I liked him saying, because like, Dustin was like, hey, you need to be an ins, like when he was talking about Booker T being an inspiration to him, Cody's like, I don't care about inspiration because none of these people deserve inspiring. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, that was a wild way to do a you people line, but you know. Uh, no, and and Cody, Cody Rhodes is... No, he, yeah, he Cody also just claims to have restored the Rhodes family name, which, uh, can, wow, you have the IC title. You're really, you're really bringing prestige back to the family, Codester. This is an interesting time in WWE history where they were really playing up this idea because when Co as because as Co like they, I I don't want to talk about um 2014 yes movement stuff until that episode a couple weeks up, but that was also a big plot point like the idea of the Rhodes family legacy and Dustin and Dusty and Dustin being kind of um, disappointments to it was a big plot point there too. Yeah, but basically right now, right now, yeah, right now in the WWE canon, it's basically like Dusty could never win the WWE title and he showed up in WWE and they let him dress in polka dots and be a stupid clown. And then Goldust, they made it they was even a bigger clown. So Cody is like, I'm the only normal one here bringing any honor to this family. Which, you know, valid points, except for the fact that, like, Cody, it's not their fault. You realize that, right? Well, kayfabe, it is, of course, their fault, but, you know. And how is it their fault in kayfabe? What? In, In kayfabe, Goldust just wanted to dress like that. Oh, that's fair. Well, no, because I feel like they lampshade. I feel like Cody, I feel like I've heard a line about, like, they made my father dress in polka dots and act like a well, that 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 they're willing to play is, like, the WWF f- pushed that on him. But they don't say that about Goldust. They oh, they treat God. it as Goldust. That's, that was his personal choice. He's just a fucking weirdo, man. We let him do whatever he wanted. We didn't. We yeah, didn't we're, you see how, he was see like, how much he, that man has? You don't he wanted man, he want, he wanted to dress in all gold and wear a wig and we were like we're not and be like really say no. when he was a bad guy right so we were like i i guess we can't say no that look wcw's kicking our ass man we are not in a position to be telling people Throw everything at the wall and see what sticks <laughs> yeah fuck god oh poor dustin anyway yeah so uh after cody does all this jaw jacking booker's like well okay uh, two out of three now, bitch. Uh, we're, y- you beat me once, I beat you once. Let's settle this right now. Uh, also, let's make it for the IC title. And Cody's like, whoa. Oh, there. 
uh, yeah, he was like, no, sir. What are you talking about? Uh, also, I want to point out Cody being like, oh, yeah, if you if Booker T was so great for you, Dustin, why'd you immediately fall back into your bad habits after you stopped tag teaming? And do. I was like getting Black Rain flashbacks right now. Oh, shit. That would have been when he went over. Yeah, when he went to TNA and TNA, because they were TNA, did absolutely nothing to stop him from being falling into his worst drug habits. Yeah, they didn't give a shit. Nah, so you got Black Rain, he's got a pet spider, and he's he got fat and bad. Uh, Have fun with that. Yeah, pain. Um, just so like they, anyway. It's like they let Kurt Angle just do all the painkillers he wanted after WWE is like, go to rehab. And Kurt Man. was like, no. Man, it's wild to me that like, there was a place that was a more toxic environment than the backstage at WWF, and that was TNA. No, TNA was a shit show. Yeah, I'm glad they're Impact now. Anyway, yeah, so I guess Cody versus Booker for the IC title is set for next week. That's yeah, Cody, exciting. Yeah, Cody's like, I'll agree, but in one week, next not tonight. Week. Yes. Uh, and then, um, so Booker's like, okay, fine, whatever. He's, he leaves the ring, goes to the commentary desk. And then like, Cody just starts stomping on Dustin. Now nah, he, he kicks Dustin in the gut. He hits the disaster kick, which is basically like he jumps off the ropes, turns around and kicks him in the face. That was a sick move by the mm -hmm. by. Yeah. And then Booker goes to check on Cody and Cody skedaddles on out of there. Yeah, Booker has had two different spots in this promo where he tries to leave the ring and then has to come back because Cody's on some dumb shit. Just, my poor man can't get to the commentary table to save his life. Uh, then we cut over to uh, more matches that are pre-announced to be on the card tonight. Absolute wizardry. Uh, first of all, being um, Daniel Bryan and Big Show teaming together. Daniel Bryan is, like, currently the heavyweight champ. He nice. is. And he is teaming with show who he won the heavyweight title from after he cashed in money in the bank against him, yep. which man, putting these two on a tag team, uh, after all that, uh, malfunction, John, I have, I have thought, I have thoughts to say about this when we get there. I look uh, forward to it. I guess I just have general riffing on it. Yeah. yeah and also then, like they announced this as like, they, they announced this as like the other main event. There are two double, double main events. What, why, how, Help. Because if you say it's a main event, every, it's a big deal. Like, WWE does that, you know, it's, I'm not a super big proprietor of like, if you have two main events, you have no main events, but I, I don't care that much about it, but they do do it. I find it annoying, but yeah, mm. so I smell a malfunction junction in the air, but you know, also they announced like, uh, uh, on their website that they have published the top 25 matches of 2011, which they, I'm really they hyped curious that a to know. couple times. I I'm really curious to know based on what metrics, because I somehow they're doubt. I somehow doubt they're going just on Meltzer ratings here. Well, I will say that the WWE.com that like WWE.com was run by like smarkier people than you'd think. Really? So like that's not hell, there well, was, probably, hell, there well, was, probably because those are like the interns who actually yeah. knew how to operate computers and so there was a, like there Asher was a time whatever. there was a time where WWE.com reported on other companies' wrestling news. They did what? Yeah, it was it wasn't that long, but okay. I have the list. I have okay. found the article. Let's oh no the top 
the 2011's best bouts. Number 25, Rey Mysterio versus Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania 27. Okay, yeah, probably. All right. Yoshitatsu versus Tyson Kidd from NXT. Holy shit. No one was watching that. God, man, this shit, this shit really was being run by by the marks that worked for the company. Oh my god! It, it probably was a sick match, but like nobody was watching NXT in 2011. What? Honestly, the fact that that's on there does give me hope that this ma- that this this list is kind of legit because uh, Edge yeah. versus Kane in a Last Man Standing match from SmackDown. Uh, the I, WWE Triple Threat TLC match at TLC between a CM Punk, The Miz, and Alberto Del Rio. Yeah, probably. Uh, Randy Orton versus Cody Rhodes in a street fight on SmackDown. Probably. Yeah, okay. Uh, the, yeah, Miz ver- no. the Miz versus John Morrison in a False Count Anywhere match on Raw. That match was sick. I've watched that before. Oh, that sounds sick. Uh, the SmackDown Elimination Chamber match. Uh, Randy Orton versus CM Punk at Extreme Rules. Ooh. Alberto Del Rio versus Rey Mysterio on Raw in August. Uh, okay, Ray, I... Randy Orton versus Dolph Ziggler on Raw in um, uh, in one of the original Raw Super Shows. Ooh. Mark Henry versus Daniel Bryan on SmackDown. That probably. Uh, be cool. Randy Orton versus Wade Barrett from TLC. Uh, Ray Mysterio versus CM Punk from Capital Punishment. That was a good match. It warms my heart to hear how many times Ray's made this list. Yeah. Uh, the WWE Triple Threat uh, cage match from Extreme Rules that was uh, The Miz, John Morrison, and John Cena. Uh, Mark Henry versus The Big Show from Vengeance. That's where they redid the spot where they break the ring. Oh, yeah. The, the, the lame, we did it on purpose this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the SmackDown Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, Edge versus Dolph Ziggler at the Royal Rumble. Uh, John Cena and The Rock versus The Miz and R-Truth from Survivor Series. The 40-man Royal Rumble match. Christian versus Alberto Del Rio from Extreme Rules. Number five, Rey Mysterio versus John Cena for the WWE Championship on Raw. Fucking wait. Mysterio versus Cena made of it, not Mysterio versus Miz. Fuck off. Uh, the Raw Elimination Chamber match at number four. Uh, Randy Orton versus Christian from Over the Limit at number three. At number two, John Cena versus CM Punk from Money in the Bank. Yeah, okay. Objectively I was wrong. Say. That's number one. That um, yeah. What the fuck? And number one, The Undertaker versus Triple H from WrestleMania twenty-seven. Wait, isn't that like the really sick one with Shawn Michaels as as? No, that's from twenty eight. Oh, yeah. Okay, no. Uh, I because if that was that one, I would be okay with that being over Cena Punk. But yeah, no, Cena Punk should definitely be at number one there. Still wild. Yeah, that's actually a good list. I'm pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Okay. So- but then we get to our first match of the show. I come from money. Yeah, so Tibiasi and Tibiasi Posse rise up. A couple of, yeah. Okay. I feel kind of bad. But so Ted Jr. comes out. And I'm going, hey, Ted Jr. Because we talked about his dad two episodes ago. And then, but he co- he comes down. Walks, walks down the ramp. Sees that someone has a sign 
hanging over the edge. Uh, and he go and let's like for him, and he goes up and signs it. And my response in my notes is, "Wait, he has fans. People like him. I wasn't hey, aware man. of this." Late 2011, <laughs> early 2012, the DiBiase posse was rocking, and you cannot tell me different. <laughs> Well, apparently, uh, dude, apparently there's a lot of people in, like, late 2011 who were, like, fucking huge at the time, and now it's just, like, who the fuck are you? And yeah. it's kind of so, funny. at this point, Ted DiBiase has turned babyface, and so now he's, like, the rich dude who throws cool parties kind of a rich guy. Yeah, he has the, the DiBiase posse parties, which, that's a... That feels like I feel like I need to wash my mouth out with soap after saying that. Listen, I'm will I'm willing to admit that upon retrospect, Ted DiBiase fucking sucked, and oh, I yeah. mostly liked him for the theme song, which most people also think sucks. But <laughs> I but I will make no I will not apologize for being a Ted DiBiase Jr. Mark in 2011. A, a and proud member of the DiBiase posse. You're damn Austin. right. <laughs> Fuck off. No, that's awful. Why? Why would you do that? Yeah. Uh, but okay. Anyway, uh, speaking of, of people who were big in 2011 nowadays it's like what the fuck future wwe champion jinder mahal is here as i, as I wrote it as i wrote it in my notes little baby pre-roids jobber ass jinder mahal <laughs> oh my god and and we see like a pre-tape from him that they do as like a picture in picture which i don't know if i've ever seen before but th that's neat like pre-tape mm -hmm. picture in pictures that's cute um He's we see him doing a pre-tape where he builds the cheapest heat ever. Now you might think by that, I mean he makes fun of America in lame ways. No, uh, I mean he's building the real cheapest heat ever, which is calling people out for their bullshit New Year's re resolution. You're damn right. Uh, he's like, all these idiots here aren't gonna keep their New Year's resolution, no. but I'm gonna keep mine, and mine is fucking w winning baby and everyone's yeah, he, like Bleh. he says he says you're all stuck in mediocrity just like ted dibiase yeah apparently his favorite word is mediocrity which like now, i can't fault you that's a nice vocab word yeah fun fact the very first nxt championship match was seth rollins versus jinder mahal what they did a tournament when they rebooted NXT to be developmental and not the stupid game show. And they yeah. had a tournament to determine who the first champion. They did a tournament and it was Seth Rollins versus Jinder Mahal. <sighs> Seth did win. Jinder Mahal is not a former NXT champion. But let me but tell you. he's a you. future WWE champion. Yes, he is. Um... I kind of just wrote this as a classic WWE TV match. Good enough technical work, but it is mostly like Jinder Mahal, the heel, beats up on the babyface for most of the match, and then DiBiase hits like five moves and wins. Wait, no, he doesn't. DiBiase taps to Jinder like a bitch at the end. Uh, you're right. I've, I I just assumed when I wrote classic TV, I just automatically like went to the default assumption of what no. happened. 
That's I, that. So that's what's funny about it. Okay, so first of all, before we get in, before I talk about that, first of all, Michael Cole parrots the fact that Cody. Michael Cole says to Booker on commentary, Cody says you're semi-literate, Booker, and Booker's like, yeah, uh, what the fuck does that even mean, Cody? Um, and there's also a third commentator here, Josh something. Uh, Josh he has, Matthews. Josh Matthews, former uh, he has yet- tough enough competitor and XWF star. Oh, hey, it's wait, it's oh, it's that guy. No wonder he barely made any kind of impression, was completely forgettable also, the whole time. Yo, and I also, only ever referred to him as the third commentator in my notes. He's also the he's also the backstage commentator that AJ Lee emasculated for most of 2012. <laughs> so based. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's Josh Matthews. Yeah, so they they have a technical match, and like they're trying to put over DiBiase Jr. here, and then like DiBiase just kind of taps to Jinder Mahal like a bitch, and it's like okay, well, womp, yeah, womp, never D- mind. D- Ted DiBiase goes to the top rope for reasons I don't know. He never does top rope. <laughs> I don't moves. think he's capable of that. And what do you know? He jumps off the top, tweaks his knee, and then J- Jinder Mahal hits him with a flatliner. Uh, and the camel clutch. Do you get it? Because uh, he's Arab. yeah. Wait, hey, that except carried over except, from the Sergeant Slaughter Iraqi sympathizer days. Except, oh God, Jinder Mahal is not Arab. He is from Canada and has Indian roots. <laughs> but he is brown and he is a heel. So, so we're enough. doing the camel clutch. Fuck off, dude. Uh, man, another perfect showcase of what wrestling is all about for a first-time viewer. Sometimes things just get racist. I have no idea why, but they do. I'm aware that my camera went out. Oh, it's back now. Um, yeah, no. Uh, uh, yeah, so yeah. So I guess that was a good bit of. Sometimes things just get racist around here. Yeah. Congratulations, y'all. Austin, this extreme- is your fandom now. And in the extremely badly aged line as we're going off this match we have josh matthews saying booker do you expect big things from jinder mahal in 2012 (laughs) and booker t says in 2012 this kid is going to be a force to be reckoned with yeah oh my we have so many lines like that to get to the yeah we got some lines in multiple oh, ways there, in this there, episode. There is a there is one, only one line that truly aged the worst, and we will get to <laughs> I it. I have no I have no doubt you and I are thinking of the exact same There's line. no way, because I was like, oh <laughs> when I heard it. <laughs> so excited. Oh, it's so good. Okay. No, okay. So uh so, so we, yeah, so that match is done. Rip ripping pieces DiBiase Jr. Uh go have fun embezzling two million dollars from welfare with your dad. Teddy! Yeah, so Teddy Long is from, back. He's, from on, the he's on the inferior Ted to the superior Teddy. He's just on the phone talking about his New Year's party preparations and then hit the sexy sax well, because okay. Oksana is what? here. What the fuck? Who who is this woman? Why does she have sexy music follow her around? Is, is because... it diegetic? Why is Teddy so horny? What is happening? Well, because Oksana was a WWE diva on NXT season three, everyone's favorite season of NXT. Um, uh... And she sucked, uh, so, to be honest. But her gimmick here is that she wants to bone the boss and Teddy is into it because he thinks because she's sexy. 
Oh, don't no. don't worry. Don't worry. She'll leave him for Cesaro. <laughs> Actually, I have a <laughs> there. There's another bald guy that <laughs> that caught my eye. <laughs> you know, yes. you know what really does it for me is <laughs> being a model minority. <laughs> Oh, oh, he can model my minority all night. That was awful. Uh, that was Sorry. what anyway, the fuck was that? I, um, I, 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 yeah, okay, but but here's the thing: the lights change in the room. She, they like turn blue, and then like, uh, okay, so some guy shows up. I know who it is, but to my to my eyes, adjusting. Some guy shows up, and the lights immediately go back to normal, and which is hilarious in as, and of itself. As I put it, Drew McIntyre is a based cock blocker. Yeah. Okay. So apparently, this is Drew fucking McIntyre. Hell yeah, it what, is. What I didn't. He he is ba- he is baby. Drew McIntyre is out here being the poster boy for how much a beard ages you because holy shit, he is baby here i did not recognize him until teddy long like said his name and i was like who the who did you just say that was um yeah also i want to point out real quick so this is like teddy's office presumably um yes it is along the back wall uh there there are a bunch of like different posters and images and i just want to point out the great juxtaposition of on one end of this wall is a poster for a uh a triple H star vehicle from the WWE studios, which I'm sure is a hoot. And on, uh, I don't on think the, it was the one where he's on the bus. No, it's not. It looked like him, like out in the wilderness. I don't know. There was someone else there with him too, on the poster. I couldn't fully tell might've been the Miz anyway. And then all the way on the other end is just a smaller framed portrait of, of MLK for some reason. Is it because Teddy's black? Is that why? I don't, is... I don't pay attention to the WWE office decoration, so I don't know what you're talking about. So it's I'm so I what? Can't answer. It's so what? Yeah, they just so on one hand it's Triple H and a WWE Studios joint, and the other hand it's 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 MLK. What? Why are these are, two things on the same wall? We're in the we're in the we're in the peak era of. Triple H could have been Thor in Marvel era because he's trying. He's trying to do movies. And Wait, what? Was well, he that's angling what he, for Thor? That's what he claims. I I don't know how close that got or anything, but you know, we could have been living in a reality where the rise of Chris Hemsworth star was cock blocked by. Paul Levesque. Paul Le- Triple you- Triple H got that golden shovel one more time and buried Chris Hems buries Chris Hemsworth's career. <laughs> oh my god! Holy fuck! That's so funny. Uh, yeah. So anyway, he's, he's doing WWE movies and becoming an action star. This. Oh is yeah, great. I'm sure he's great. Uh-huh. Uh, so anyway, Teddy says to Drew McIntyre, um. Basically, you need to go out there and get a dub because you cost me a lot of money, but you keep losing. Yeah, all right. Uh, Okay. All right. Twice on this show, 
I was like, the heels are right, actually. And this is one of them because Drew has done nothing wrong. And Teddy is just being a dick to him because of past discretions. That's it? Wait, that's it? Yes. Teddy, from what I remember here, and especially as a, fir- as a first-time viewer to this, Teddy Drew McIntyre has done nothing wrong. He just came back to SmackDown, and Teddy is like, hey, play, I know we had problems before, but I'm willing to forgive. By the way, uh, you're a jobber loser bitch, and you cost too much money, <laughs> so you better start winning or I'm going to fire you. And Drew's like, wait, what the fuck? Come uh, on, man. But it's, it's funny because, like, we get this, like, zoom in on Drew's face, and Drew's getting, like, all intense as Teddy's talking to him. And then, like, Teddy's done talking to him, and it suddenly zooms back out again, and Drew's, like, happy-go-lucky again. Whoever's, like, in charge of coordinating this particular backstage segment between the, the like, lighting cues of the Oksana bit the the mise-en-scene of the posters behind Teddy Long and this weird, like, intensely, like, this, like, pay attention to the cinematography character moment for Drew McIntyre. Who, whoever was working on this clearly, like, is, try, is trying to go somewhere, work for Steven Spielberg, win an Oscar for some art house shit. They, they, they clearly don't think they belong here and they're trying to show everybody that they could do real art with their movie making actually. And mm-hmm. uh, man, you and, tried. And we, we cut, we cap off this segment with Drew saying that no one has more passion than him. Don't worry about it, Teddy. And he is still the guy who can make people beg for mercy. And Teddy Long is like, with that accent play, I can't understand you at all. Like, ha 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 ha. Very okay, funny. I have Great to admit, I, I have to admit for some reason, I thought Drew was Irish, so Teddy called it. Teddy said Scottish accent, and yeah, I was Scott. like, "Ah, no, Teddy Scottish. thinks Drew is Scottish. That's funny. He doesn't know his real." Uh, uh-huh. No, uh, no. But no, but it, it it but it ends with if, with Drew being like, "No, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna get that dub. Do you feel do do you feel me, playa? Oh, yeah. Which man, that sounded wrong coming out of Drew McIntyre's good, mouth. Good try. Um, good try, man. Uh but hey, it's time for a regularly scheduled SmackDown self-masturbatory fact. This one being that SmackDown was the number one show on Sci-Fi for a 65th straight week. Oh yeah. Sure is very hard to sci-fi. accomplish. Sci- you, know, you know the fucking Sci-Fi channel, you know, yeah. was absolutely rocking in 2011. They had some stiff competition, but thankfully SmackDown prevailed. <laughs> yeah, no. Which, yeah, I, I'm sure it was really difficult for them to do that. Also, what the fuck is SmackDown doing on Sci-Fi in the first place? Uh, they had a pretty long relationship being on Sci-Fi. Um, they that why that really didn't change until USA Network pulled SmackDown over to them to get the full set. So the, they completed their Infinity Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. So With yeah, for a, for for a very long time, WWE WWE Smack, Friday Night SmackDown was on Sci-Fi. And uh, announcer number three, uh, yes, uh, announcer number three is like, hey, that's how long I've been on SmackDown. My man clearly is blissfully ignorant of the correlation versus causation fallacy. Of course. Uh, And then we get to the second match of the evening, the obligatory Divas match. Uh, Alicia Uh, Fox. Obligatory is right. 
Alicia Fox and Caitlin versus Natalia and Tamina. And we get a recap showing that two weeks ago, Alicia Fox faced Natalia and pulled her extensions out. What a da- what a dastardly thing to do. I missed that, but wait, Kate, is Alicia Fox the heel here? Yes. Oh. Alicia Fox is supposed to be the bad guy. Actually, you know what? I think Natalia no, might be the bad guy, and then yeah. she gets turned heel on. You're right. No, because Tamina's also a bad guy. But Yeah, so Alicia Fox and Caitlyn come out. Booker gets horny over it, and somewhere Charmel is going like, what the fuck? Oh yeah, his I I thought about writing down what the fuck he says when he when he talks about Alicia Fox, but I didn't feel like you know writing trying to piece the quote together. Uh, I what I did catch is Michael Cole alluding to the fact that apparently Booker's been giving Alicia Fox a lot of pointers recently, which uh, <laughs> but uh, so but but the um the match starts. Um, and they're just, they're just kind of working back and forth. Like, uh, it, it, is the first one in, and I think Alicia is the first one in from her side. Yeah. Uh, and at one point, um, Cole, um, Cole calls something an attempted roll up and Booker corrects him and is like, that's actually an inside cradle. And Cole's like, bold of you to assume I actually know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm not Jim Ross. Uh, my first note to make is this, is when Tamina and and Natalia do a tag and they start doing a double team move. This rep is like, you gotta get out, Tamina. You get out. Like this, this man was taking his job super seriously tonight. There, There's another ref moment like that I caught in a different match. Yeah, so uh, Tamina, what I learned is the former daughter of Jimmy Snuka. Yeah, uh, we and- haven't successfully canceled Jimmy Snuka yet, so we're still talking about that connect, that familial connection. Oh, I th- I didn't think he he I didn't I didn't realize he was ever actually officially canceled. I thought the 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 Barry job went over pretty well for Vince, all things considered. They, you know, as at the end, like they ended up reopening that case and he was, he was, they base and the, and then what basically happened is the Snooka team was like, ah, but you see he is too mentally ill, infirm to be able to testify. And then he died. So they were like, well, guess there's nothing we can do here. Well, that's unfortunate. But in in the court, but 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 to be fair, in the court of public opinion, now it's the story of like Jimmy Snooker murdering his girlfriend in this in the late in the early 80s has gotten around and he's no longer like the highly celebrated name of the 80s Oof. that he used to be. You know, probably for the best. But yeah, his daughter is here and uh so is and her tag partner, of course, then is somebody with uh an equally important film familial connection, the niece of Bret Hart and nothing Of course. Else. That's it. Yeah, it's the daughter <laughs> of Jimmy else. Snooka and the niece of Bret Hart. What a great nothing tag else. team. I'm so glad I'm so glad that is Natalia's only familial connection. <laughs> yeah. Nothing else. Um Who's her dad? Ah, oh, we don't give a shit. Who cares? Um Who the fuck and... is Jim Nightheart? Yeah. The guy with the Coke addiction? <laughs> That's it. That's the only important thing you need to know about him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. uh, n- so match- yeah, and so like they're putting over how like the you know this legacy team here, and then Natalia tags in and goes down like a bitch. No, what happens is okay. Natalia tag is goes in here, and she's facing Caitlyn, 
and she tries to set up Caitlyn to like leg drop her or do a senton or whatever. Caitlyn rolls out of the way, so Natalia lands straight on her ass, and we get a big zoom in of her like in pain from her ass, and <laughs> and then um, Alicia Fox tags in, hits one clothesline, hits her scissors kick, and wins. Absolutely, I don't know and then, why. I don't know why after, Natalia went down that easy, but you know, was to set it up happens. this heel. It's set up to the heel face thing going on after the match because after the but match, what's even what's even funnier is like. Uh, it, it then begs the question of like, who the fuck is Alicia Fox, and why is she getting a squash push, push against Legacy Children? She was a she was a moderately prominent divas, a mid card diva of the of this time period, and she got to squash a Legacy child for it. That's Natalia that's, wasn't that when Natalia was not that big of a deal in 2011. Well, no, but she's a Legacy kid. You would mm-hmm. think I don't know, um, but like. Either way, uh, another another one to add the collection of like, man, they were really trying to make this a thing in 2011. And uh, who the fuck are you? Yeah. And then after the match, Tamina hit a super kick and then the super fly splash onto Natalia because fuck you, I guess. You lost the match. Go to hell. New rivalry. Yeah. Uh, so we <laughs> then go back to talking about our uh, uh, big show, Daniel Bryan. David Otunga and Mark Henry bout set for this evening. We see a recap in which we we find out that last uh la- was it last week or this, on Monday this week or- on Raw on Monday this week on Raw again the the brand split be not that splitty. Uh, Big Show did his best Stone Cold impression and fought David Otunga with one hand literally tied yeah, so, behind his back. So David Otunga is the he's the wrestling lawyer. He's yes. he's he's the he wrestler, wrestler who is legitimately a barred lawyer. Yes, and so he is the legal assistant to uh, te- to uh, John Laurinaitis, who is currently in charge of Raw, and Big Sh- and so Big Show mount uh, Big Show punched the fuck out of him in a prior episode of SmackDown, and oh, so oh. as punishment, I'm pretty sure they showed that is him you like can get away punching. with anything as a face. So as punishment, they make him wrestle David Otunga with one hand tied behind his back. He has no problem with it because it's David Otunga. And, and then, he's the big show. And and so Mark Henry runs in to cause trouble, and this leads to Daniel Bryan coming to uh, come help and run yes. off Mark Henry, and which leads to a backstage segment where a- Bryan is talking to AJ Lee. And oh my God, they're dating. They're, they're doing the fuck they're dating right now. Fuck, I forgot. No. And he's talking up how awesome that was to help Big Show. And he's in these, and we're teaming up tonight. And Big Show is like, hey, I want to talk to you. Giants don't need to be rescued or saved. So fuck off. And Brian's like, that's not how I saw it on Monday. And Brian seemed really ecstatic to be tag partners with the Big Show tonight. Well, uh, obviously, we're in the Beanie Show era. Who wouldn't want to be associated with that guy? He's cool. He has a beanie. This was my second instance of the heel is right, actually, moment of the night. Because, Are we faces? Are we all faces right now? Who's the bad guy? I think Brian is becoming heel off of of this story. How? What? Yes, I agree. Uh, 
Brian comes off cock a bit cocky and smug, sure, but genuinely he helped Big Show when Big Show needed help, and Big Show is indignant and like, I don't have to thank you. Fuck you, man. I don't need your help. Yeah, we got some of the uh, toxic masculinity going for mm-hmm. going for Big Show here. He's just like, no, uh, I'm a ba- I, I am a strong, independent giant who don't need no Dan. Like, yeah, and then Teddy Long runs up to them and is like, hey, playa, Mark Henry is injured from Monday. He is not cleared to wrestle, so uh, we have to call off that tag match. But, Big Show, you will face the David Otunga one-on-one, but Mark Henry will be in David Otunga's quarter. Yeah, okay, which is mind-bending. So I was praising earlier the fact that they did actually, like, schedule, like, announce most of the scheduled matches for this evening. But then they went in knowing that they were like they were going to cancel the Mark Henry match and in favor of just doing Big Show Otunga 2. And they still announced it as the tag match and then just announced the cancellation mid-show for some reason. Why? Hey, what What was the purpose? Did they know, know the whole time why they ever announced it at all in the first place? I, I, I have to at least appreciate that they made a story out of it and they didn't just not do it. I am very much used to Vince's WWE where they would announce matches and just not do them. So, you know. (sighs) Okay, well. At least they had a story and Big Show is fuming and Daniel Bryan snarks at him. I guess Giants do need saving after all. Good luck. Yeah, he's like, hey, I can help you with this. Just a reminder from the reminder. Bye. And Big Big Show took that personally. And then we cut to... The Royal, the Royal Rumble ad of Santino yes, Morella in in a goofy, uh, a um, uh, what's fortune teller, one? fortune teller outfit, being like, "What happened in the Royal Rumble?" And it shows uh, it shows video of Santino winning the Royal Rumble at WrestleMania, which, and which honestly, that I would love to see Santino Santino win the Royal Rumble. That would be and a then, great. And then he accidentally drops the crystal ball and he's like, ah, some of a gun. <laughs> Man, the Santino comedy is so like bottom of the barrel, but Santino's such a fucking charming performer. I can't help but love it anyway. God damn it. Now for our third match of the show, uh, it's a good thing that we watched Lucha Underground last time. And thus, so now David knows who this guy is. It's Justin Gabriel, the Cape Town werewolf, versus Hunico. Oh, I completely forgot it was that guy because I just yeah, put him yeah. in my notes as some guy named Justin. Yeah, he's the Cape Town werewolf, man. He hasn't, though, he hasn't learned how to beat up luchadors in a motel parking lot yet, so he's not cool. <laughs> he, yeah, no, he seems very like dork. Um, and then I and then I wrote all my friends know the low rider was we get Hunico yeah. riding in on a low rider bike low rider. with his heavy Camacho. And commentary is very taken about the taken with the bike to the point where Michael Cole's that are like, yeah, I'm I plan on talking about this bike a lot during the match. My man is de facto burying the match that's about to happen by saying he's gonna spend most of the commentary talking about this fucking low rider bike. This match is this match is about to happen is less important than a bicycle. Hey, fun fact. Let's let's I want to give a little history of Hunico. Actually, this is fascinating. So okay. Hunico wrestled in Mexico as Mystico. Uh however CMLL owns the name Mystico. 
so Wait. even though he allegedly, he kind of allegedly had the name first, a different wrestler in CMLL took the name Mystico from him and he had to change the name as something else. Uh, that wrestler, who was the, the new Mystico, would sign to WWE as Sin Cara. And oh. Hunico then was brought into WWE as the replacement Sin Cara, Sin Cara Negro. And then he be then he became Hunico. And then when they fired the original Sin Cara, Hunico took up the Sin Cara mat gimmick um, for the rest of his time in WWE. What the fuck? Did yeah, crazy. Wait, that's insane. That's wow. Okay, so wait. Okay, let me help me get this a little bit straight here. So, were Dark Sinkara and Sinkara this the different? Were they different characters? Yeah, yeah. So it was basically like the original Sinkara got injured. Of course, yes, he did. He got injured a lot. And <laughs> so they got they brought in Hunico to play the gimmick of Sin Cara, and they played it off as a storyline where it was revealed that he was an imposter, Sin Cara, an evil Sin Cara. And so he changed his name to Sin Cara Negro and got like a black and red mask. Uh, and then they had feud, OG Sin Cara won, and then he went to be the Hunico gimmick. Wait, he Sin Cara went to what the OG the OG Sincara came back, beat Sincara yeah. Negro, yeah. and then Sincara Negro stopped oh. and he became Hunico. Okay, but then did you also say then Sincara got fired and then yeah, OG Sincara became... got fired and and other who and Hunico took up the gimmick. And did they acknowledge that this was Hunico with the Sincara mask, or was it no. just this is still saying? Oh, they no, pretended no. is the same guy. And fascinatingly, uh -oh. this is when they started letting Sincara do promos now because the OG Sincara couldn't speak English. I he talked about that English, before. Yeah. Yep. Hunico obviously does, and so they're like, "Holy shit, Sincara can talk now!" Pretending it is the same person the entire time. He just learned. Oh, it. no, no. Uh, hey, he seems to be getting uh, injured a lot less. That's interesting, isn't it? Or yeah, wait, crazy. was Hunico just as fucked under, under the same yes. car mask and the dumb fuck lights? A little have? bit. A little bit. I, the same car mask might be cursed. Uh, well, it's the fact that it's not only like the fact that it's a full face mask with a colored visor, but it's the fact they like fucking insisted on like having colored lights on during Sinkara man. It's like they Sinkara was just set up like the refusing to learn English thing is a dick move, but like everything else just feels like it was like he was set up to fail. Mm -hmm. Uh but yes, the, so that is a fun little history of Hunico and uh Sinkara is a wild and Camacho uh he is not Mexican by the way he uh -oh. is Tongan he is Tongaloa from New Japan oh. nowadays. He is, but he is brown enough for the be Mexican. So that's that's what we're gonna do. Brown enough counter. Ding again, two yeah. times today. Oh God, yeah. So announcer yeah. three says that Hunico did a pre-tape, but he doesn't speak Spanish, implying that he won't be able to understand and what then Hunico Hunico talks said. entirely in English. In English. Mine is like an Orle Cabron. He's uh, he cuts the entire promo in English and I'm just like fuck off announcer three. Yeah. Racist. Uh, so 
even though the announcers spend more time, Michael Cole specifically giving the entire history of lowrider bikes. Yeah, and, and Booker Booker's T being like, like oh, you fucking nerd. How long, how long did you spend Googling that last night? And, te- and Michael Cole's like, fuck you, man. I live in Texas. Michael, um, Cole's like, fu- Michael Cole's like, fuck you, man. I have ADHD and this is my special interest. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Hunico is a high-flying boy. It was not not fun to watch it was kind of it fun was an to all right watch. it was an all right match i the real, wasn't like the real great. problem is that justin gabriel gets absolutely squashed with basically no offense done yeah it's so funny offense. this is another one like they're talking on commentary michael cole's like yeah justin gabriel really wants to crack your fave five booker and booker's like yeah man he's really close and and then he goes down like a bitch too i'm so glad that they brought up the booker t fave five because that was his number one announcing gimmick was having people in his fave five yeah are there any notable i mean uh, just every week he would change people it was, oh, it was really? basically oh i most assume this ma- was like most major baby faces were at one point part of the fave five. Oh my god that's so funny okay i thought it was a lot more prestigious than that no no, way, no yeah booker's like yeah he's really close to my fave five though and i Justin do always Gabriel goes pet and loses the match like yeah. a bitch yeah, though I also that's if I ever if I ever say my boy D Bry to refer to Daniel Bryan, I took that from Booker T, who that is what he called him on commentary. That's Daniel Bryan was a regular of the Fay Five. Aw, until he turned heel, and then fuck him. Yeah, and then he yeah. was face again and came back. Yay! Funny so, how that works. Complete jabroniing of Justin Gabriel, and then after <laughs> the match, and then after the match, Hunico like flips Justin Gabriel onto Camacho's shoulders and they do a, a double team move where Hunico does a neck breaker and Camacho does a Samoan drop. Really? Because even sick when you're, move. Pl- because even if you're playing a fake Mexican, only, <laughs> only Islanders can do the Samoan drop. All That's Islanders a- do the Samoan drop and nobody else does. They are legally obligated to in their contracts. You're a Samoan descent. You're doing the Island you're drop, doing the baby. Drop, baby. Yeah, yep. but it, which that was actually a sick move, and then mm-hmm. well, uh, so yeah. the Beanie big show, show versus here. David Otunga, yes. Which, um, uh, fun fact about David Otunga to me is okay in WWE 12 in universe mode, they had shockingly small amounts of pre rendered tag teams. You kind of have to understand that this is. Like in modern WWE games, you kind of have to be like an NXT jobber to not make it into a WWE game. Yeah. Uh, but in 2012, it was like they had like 40 roster spots, and that's fucking it. So <laughs> we imp- got limited memory on this baby. We no, it count. So basically, important wrestlers were left off the show. It had a pretty small roster. Not every major, not every wrestler that gets on TV regularly made it onto the games. Uh, so my point is, they didn't have a lot of pre-made tag teams in the game. One of them was David Otunga and Michael McGillicuddy from when they were both in, in, they were both part of the Nexus together. So in my head, I always associate like Michael McGillicuddy and David Otunga tag team fighting like the road warriors or some shit in universe mode in WWE 12. That's so bizarre. That's, I mean, that is very fitting for the WWE games but that's a weird combo man mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, and, so, and so, you know, to make sure to make clear, Michael McGillicuddy is the future Curtis Axel before he started oh. going by that name. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his career really went well, too. Um, yeah. <laughs> Another XWF guy. Um, I so. Um, yeah, wait, yeah, he, wait, was he Curtis Axel next? No, no, he wasn't. No, no, that was, was Mr. His dad, Mr. Perfect. His dad is Kurt Hennig. His, his dad is Kurt Hennig. Yep. That's mm-hmm. what it was. Um, uh, so, uh, Michael Cole is for some reason manages to bring up the fact that he beat Lawler at WrestleMania. Uh, the, the fact that which he will never let he, anyone forget about. He did, which he did, but you know, you got to put a lot of asterisks and bullshit to that. Well, yeah. Uh, shout out to uh, the rare Triple H dub where he's like, "All right, Cole, you want to talk all this? You want to talk all this good shit? Get in the ring!" Hell yeah! Uh, so Big Show basically beats the shit out of David Otunga because I, I can't emphasize this enough. This is the Big Show versus David Otunga. <laughs> Big Show versus, and I cannot stress this enough, David Otunga. Uh, highlight <laughs> highlight is Mark Henry yelling like do what I told you to do. Yeah, Mark Henry. Yeah, David O'Connor is clearly just Mark Henry's bitch here, which mm-hmm. I don't know how you ended up in that situation, so, buddy. But uh, big woof. so big show signals for the choke slam. Mark Henry distracts him. David Otunga does a chop block to Big Show's knee and kind of takes over the match. Uh, mm-hmm. But a- as what happened after Big Sh- Big Show throws David Otunga out of the ring. And so Mark Henry is teasing that he's going to get in the ring and interfere. Daniel Bryan pops up out of fucking nowhere, clocks Mark Henry in the back with the world title, and then he goads Mark Henry into following him backstage. Which I, I really need to emphasize, he does this by, not by like being like, yeah, come fight me. He holds up the belt and is like, uh, you want this? Come get it. Come get it. Come get it. Come so get it, boy. Mark Henry Come took either some stupid pills or has some dog DNA in him to be able to be tricked by that bullshit. Uh, Mark then, Henry sub- falls for that for some reason. Yeah, but then after that, Big Show pulls Notunga back in the ring. WMD for the win, which is his big yeah. knockout punch. And Josh Matthews. Make sure that you understand that the term WMD means weapon of mass destruction. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, see the way I had it uh, written was like this. Uh, Beanie shows finisher is a punch. I mean, who's going to stop him? Booker's like, that was so cool. Cole's like, how dare you? And announcer three is like, I'm also here. Yep. So then we get, I I forget what, I forget what Josh Matthews said, but like, Booker's like basically putting over show and Cole's being all Michael Cole about it. And Josh Matthews just gives the most like a boilerplate outro to the match. It's like, Mm -hmm. yes, good job, buddy. You are also here. And then we get match number five, our second Lucha underground alumnus to be on this episode. Wait, what? Ezekiel Jackson. I mean, I guess you might know him better when he puts the eye patch on, I guess. That's why that's big Rick. Yes, it is. What? Ezekiel Jackson might be singing about domination now and doing the big flexi flex, but that's the future Big Rick. What the fuck? Okay. Well, now I feel like a dick because he's another guy I shat on for them being like, no, yeah, no, it's uh, fine. He sucked total shit ass in WWE. He was only ever remotely good in Lucha Underground. (laughs) 
Okay. Yeah, because I was going to say, they come out immediately like, Ezekiel Jackson wants to get on track for his career in WWE. I'm sure that's going to work out great for him. Mm -hmm. Versus Drew McIntyre. I note Lillian Garcia fucks up and says that Zeke is from South America, not South Africa. Okay. (laughs) Which is the, where he is from. I was like, huh, that's neat. Um, Also, yeah, as, as, as David alluded to earlier, this is, in fact, as I wrote it, little baby pre-roids jobber-ass Drew McIntyre. <laughs> yeah, no. See, here's what I'm saying is, have you ever seen clean-shaven Drew McIntyre and Nick Jackson in the same room? Because holy shit. I can see that. Like, literally, there were some points during this match, I'm like, wait, is that, did Nick Jackson secretly tag it? It's one half of the Bucks here. I know they showed up sometimes in, in WWE as jobber, jobber, jobbers. Um, and, yeah, no, you're right about uh, Ezekiel Jackson not being great while not, when he's not Big Rick. Because, like, with no buildup or anything, this match felt like pretty much a nothing burger. Ezekiel Jackson really didn't help that. But also, like, man, goddamn Drew showing off why he was such a star. Apparently, uh, Drew was dubbed Vince's personal chosen yes, one all right. around this era. Yeah, I this is this was a good moment when we were talking about like setting up stuff for new viewers. But yes, when Drew McIntyre first debuted in like 2008, 2009, somewhere around that time, um, Vince McMahon personally called him like the next star, future star of this company, the chosen one. And he won the Intercontinental title. Things were going great. And now they're not. Yeah, no. Drew, uh, Vince called Drew his uh, his personal chosen one. And Roman Reigns is like, I took that personally. S- someday. You'll get it someday. Right, you'll get, yeah, you'll, you'll get it. So like, um, it's part of the story here that like he's got this. He, he had this huge weight of expectations, being called the chosen one say, by the owner of the company, and now he's trying struggling to, like, to live up to it. For as much as they're trying to be like Drew's a fucking loser right now, his work says otherwise. Holy shit, mm-hmm. he's he's all like he's just showing off why he's such a star. Has he always been that much of a natural? Yeah, I mean, this he's always been at least this good. And yeah, then it was, I was really like it was kind of a matter of him getting out of the WWE system that allowed him to like fully crystallize into his best self. And now he's and now he's back and he's yep. and he's amazing. Which I, I also I would like to again reemphasize emphasize here that this this like former gifted kid ass story of drew mcintyre having all so of the relatable it expectation, me expectations and then failing to meet wait them. what the fuck drew mcintyre is my new favorite wrestler i would like to point out again this whole storyline is happening to a heel drew mcintyre is supposed to be a heel and you're supposed to boo him i don't yeah i don't i i think i have like one more note about that later Oh, I definitely have a note about, I have a couple. Uh, so the matches is, is basic, is mostly basic big man uh, fighty fair because Ezekiel Jackson can't do much else. Uh, but the the important stuff of the, the important ending of the match here is basically Drew pins Zeke, but Drew tries to like put his feet up on the ropes to get, help him win. The ref yeah. sees him. He's like, "Hey, how dare you? That extreme that doesn't count." With that, mm-hmm. like, he's, 
I've never seen a ref go like that. I, I, the ref was going hard on mm. Drew for that. It, like, to the point I was like, that seems a little excessive. Yeah, and so Drew is like, what the hell, man? And then Zeke rolls him up, grabs the tights, which is also an illegal thing to do, but the ref missed that one. Oops, Drew McIntyre is pinned and loses. Yeah, so Drew got Drew got dicked on for cheating and, and then got because got... of the wonk face heel alignments here, we get Booker T being the one to say, Hey man, it's only cheating if you get caught. You gotta do whatever you can to win. And Michael Cole is like, This is a miscarriage of justice. Oh my what fuck, I hate when Michael Cole's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then backstage, uh, Drew McIntyre is bitching. Noted heel, I, I, this is a new, this is the first, noted heel, Drew McIntyre, backstage is rightfully complaining to Teddy Long that Ezekiel Jackson won by cheating, and Teddy Long is like, I can't stand losers play, especially losers that make excuses. Yeah, uh, wait, so there's a no i i not i gotta i gotta interject two things before this so before before we cut backstage uh we have uh we have a shot of like sheamus walking down the hallway uh to gear up for an in-ring segment classic wwe hype moment like filler filler hype segment is guys walking down the hallway i'm still not entirely sure how i feel about sheamus being called the great white and um it's commentary calls him the only Irish born champion of in WWE history. And somewhere Becky Lynch is going bad. I, and, you, you think that's going to hold, huh? Yeah. Be- Becky Lynch saw that and is like, I must go. My planet needs me. Um, <laughs> uh, and then we got, we also got SmackDown self-masturbation fact number two, which is that WWE programming airs in 145 companies and 30 languages. And yeah. Okay. That's actually pretty cool. Moving on. Carry yeah, on. But- I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, now. Yeah. So, yeah, Drew, Drew's rightfully being like, I totally got screwed out there. And Teddy's like, get good scrub. And I literally, I wrote a note of like, is Drew a heel right now? Is Teddy a heel right now? What is happening? Where's no. the morality? No, t- Drew McIntyre, you're supposed to like laugh at Drew McIntyre's misery here. You are not supposed to sympathize with him, even though as a, as a new viewer, I definitely do. <laughs> yeah. That's 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 a point away from like the first time viewer because Drew McIntyre definitely seems like the face here. He seems rightfully put out. Like he tried to cheat, sure, but like, eh, yeah. Eh. Um, and but now we're here for the Sheamus, uh, uh the Sheamus in ring segment. And man, I this really struck me while watching. He's so over, and Sheamus really should have been nothing but like this goofy barely over mid Carter with a cross on his ass. But he'd like, like he just, he's, he's, he's one of the truly, I think one of the greatest wrestling stars of all time. Somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know how this, this silly little uh, Irish man should like, he he's this over in 2011 and in the year of our Lord, 2022 had it easily a con- uh, match that was a contender for best of the year. Like, what how Cole, dude is still how going is he strong. the guy how is he the guy 
I don't know, but it's yeah. great. So Seamus like, I don't, I don't want to talk about the past. He wants to talk about the future of the Royal Rumble. 29 fellas flying over the top rope, all sorts of shenanigans going on. Yeah, Seamus be like, uh, I'm going to win that Royal Rumber, Rumble and Reader, he did that. He did, in fact, do that. To be fair, uh, that is a correct prediction on his part. Yeah, so they're building the hype for Seamus, future Royal Rumble winner. And then out comes a Hornswoggle, which we get the backstory that in that they did a Christmas Battle Royal, because sure, why not? Sh- Hornswoggle I, I, I won the match and eliminated Seamus. And Seamus isn't salty at all. Now, uh, Cole, Michael Cole suggests that Mike Hornswoggle should be taking the Times Square to go be the ball. <laughs> I, I took note. I, I noticed that, but I refused to, to give it the dignity of writing it down. Mm, I noticed it and gave it the dignity of writing it down. How um, dare you? So Seamus is like, you are, in the, are you in the Royal Rumble, Hornswoggle? And Hornswoggle's like, yeah. And he's like, hmm. I, I'm sad to hear that. And then yeah, Seamus gets good. down on his knees and he talks to Hornswoggle face to face. And he's like, I know you can talk, fella. Who do you think is going to win the Royal Rumble? And Hornswoggle grabs the mic. And he's like, Hornswoggle, 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 Hornswoggle. Uh... And then Seamus quotes his great old uncle from 1847 or something. I did not get the exact. <laughs> I didn't exactly get who, what he said here. My great uncle. From but he's like, fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. You're begging for a kick up the arse. Yeah. And Hornswoggle looks all worried. But they do exchange like a pleasant handshake and like man rip in peace to the days of like super affable Seamus that is not his persona these days but then I'm just one man oh I'm the one man band yeah some some motherfucker named Heath Slater is here too okay absolutely he is the one man southern rock band oh I'm sure that's a great the future founder of 3MB you should take that shit. Yeah. Oh, wait, what? Yeah, him, Jinder, and Drew McIntyre. 3MB in the future. Wait, are they the guys that wear jeans? Yes, they dress like 80s rock glam rockers. And For some reason, jobbers. I thought that was Jericho. I mean, he would do that. Yeah, he would. I don't know. Anyway. Um, uh, so, Hor- uh, good old uh, Slater comes out, and he's like, he's like you hornswoggle only won the christmas battle royal because sheamus didn't want to squash a leprechaun but the one man southern rock band doesn't have that problem he's also um really salty that people like sheamus's hair better than his oh yeah i forgot he claims to be the best redhead in wwe which get Get good scrub, Get find a better hair care routine, and stop whining about it. All right. So Seamus is like, ah, you're Southern Rock. You know, I like Southern. I got no problem. Wait, no, I, sorry. Rock. I got I to gotta get one more line from Heath Slater before we do this bit. Okay. Uh, is Heath Slater says to Hornswoggle, I liked you better when you didn't speak. Then again, I barely hey. even liked you then. And honestly, that's a mood. I love That was funny. Um, So Seamus is like, ah, oh, you're Southern Rock. I got no problem with Southern Rock. Hey, you you, Dude, see, you feel like Journey? Journey, right? You know, don't stop. 
believe before, in. You, before you get to this, I have to just say, as like kind of a more wholesome note, the fact that like a consistent, as far as I can tell, throughout Seamus's entire career, up until at the very least, up up through like when we went to that house show, if not up through modern day, is like his endless fascination with American pop culture. Because yeah. like, because like, yeah, at the house show, he's like, you know. When I was back in Ireland during the play. I watched a lot of movies about Detroit. Detroit. Beverly Hills Cop. Robocop. And here he's like, yeah, no, I appreciate you teaching me about this whole Southern rock thing. And yes, Journey, you you see yourself as kind of a Journey guy. Don't I, I am I am offended, though, because Journey is not Southern rock. They are arena rock from California. Oh, my God. The the music nerd has has uh, has right. come onto the and podcast, then, but then don't worry, we get now for the worst worst line of this entire show. So <laughs> I see you more. Is like I see you more or as is, an Orr R. Kelly, Kelly guy. guy. You know, I believe uh, I can fly. But I was yeah, like, okay. so no. Famous says, famous says an R. Kelly kind of guy, and I go, what the fuck did he just? And then I had the thought, I had the terrible thought of, oh God, they're going to make a trapped in the closet joke, aren't they? And honestly, they went with the least bad joke they could, which is, I believe I could fly, which is not offensive. It's just lame. No, and I was like, no. No, No, that was, that aged so badly. Man, that that interview Heath Slater did with 60 Minutes was really uncomfy. Yeah, so the I believe I can fly thing, the punchline is he tosses Shane, he slayer over the top rope and out of the ring. Big cheer. We cut the commercial and we cut back to commercial to find out that during the commercial break, Teddy just fucking commissioned a Seamus Slater match yeah. for, for, the, for this slot. Mm-hmm. I do want to point out the Seamus he slayer thing having every, WWE's favorite, one of WWE's favorite Royal Rumble tropes. Uh, the Royal Rumble match is about to happen, so you know what you need to do is we need to have wrestlers suddenly start throwing each other out of the ring so the announcers can be like, oh, if that was the Royal Rumble match, he would be eliminated. Are you, uh, he's building momentum. That's even fucking stupider than building momentum. Yeah, is they WWE loves to do that. They love to have wrestlers just randomly throw each other out of the ring as so they can be like, oh, that would, that, if it, it's a good thing, this isn't the Rumble match. Yeah, no. Uh, also, they were also when talking about the Rumble, is so something I didn't know is that apparently, like, winning the Rumble can get you a challenge for any belt at WrestleMania. Yeah. I in, thought in the, I assumed day- it was. No, in the day in in this in in this point in time where there are two world titles, you can challenge for whichever one you want. Usually, the guys would just pick the belt they were currently on the show for, but not always. Uh, the big story, uh, the big, you know that, that and they did make a big plot. They made plot lines out of that before. Probably the most significant was when Dave Batista won in two thousand and five. Triple H tried to push Batista to challenge JBL on Raw instead of challenging him on SmackDown because Evolution Bros, right? You're not going to fight me for my title. And Batista's like, yeah, actually, you're a piece of shit. I'm fighting you, Triple H. That's I'm hilarious. picking you. But yeah, See, usually... 
it the idea of there's a choice is is a thing when there are multiple titles to pick that just makes me want to like see this taken to its ridiculous extreme Seamus goes for the IC title Randy Orton submits a one-man challenge for the tag titles John Cena makes a valiant but ultimately unsuccessful bid for the Divas title I there's so many there's nothing that says they can't exactly Um, when ECW was a thing they were talked about how theoretically someone could challenge for the ECW title at Wrestlemania uh, to which everyone, not? to which then everyone laughed at the thought. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, "What? Why? Why would you? Yeah. Des- why would you desecrate the ECW title like that?" Uh, yeah, Sheamus wins. Wow, no way. Yeah, I didn't bother to write any notes about this I match. Did, it was yeah. it was longer than I thought it would be, considering. But Sheamus hits the bro kick and wins. Goodbye. Oof, 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 a doof. So. At, we cut backstage. Daniel Bryan is talking himself up to Teddy about how he saved the big show. And show walks in and is still pissed and a pit, little piss baby about needing Daniel's help for anything. And Daniel was like, God I damn. just, Daniel's like, I really, I'm also annoyed. I, why, I would just like to hear one thank you from you. And big show can't even give him that. Noted. Yeah, baby I know. Face, big show's big show can't even give here. him that. He's objectively the dick here. Mm-hmm. And Teddy Long is like, hey, hey, players, you, how about you save this for next week? Because you see, on Raw, they're hyping up CM Punk versus Dolph Ziggler for the WWE title. So I got to compete with that. So next week, it's going to be Daniel Bryan versus The Big Show for the World Heavyweight title. And Big Show laughs like a maniac at the, th- at the thought. As if this is some great retribution on Daniel. Well, yes, Dex notes big. helping Big Show. Simple math. And Daniel Bryan shuts him down. He's like, "Well, you know, no matter what happens, at least I can say my reign lasted longer than forty-five seconds." Yeah, uh, D- D- Daniel Bryan says that Big Show has champion aisle dysfunction, and then walks off, and Big Show gets really mad about it. But yeah, uh, noted baby faces and noted heels are plenty tonight. <laughs> Absolutely, there's nothing I love more as a baby face than refusing justified help from people and then refusing to thank them for the help that they gave me, even though I was being a dick about it. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Bryan very soon is going to become a super dick. Basically, this next match with the big show starts a series of matches between them where daniel bryan keeps finding more and more underhanded ways to keep the title yeah that sounds about right so like any like hopes of daniel bryan being like in the right here that that it ends on this Look, episode. i'm enjoying it while i can all right I am also enjoying it because I'm like, what it's the nice fuck, to see man? Daniel Bryan not in his most obnoxious form sometimes, man. Yep. So now we get our main event: Randy yeah. Orton versus Wade Barrett. Which, like, yeah. So I guess they already did like a stealth false count anywhere match between the two of them last week. So this seems like excessive. I I didn't know I. I, I, well, yeah, I, they, I, I, they I managed to end out. up in a fucking parking garage where, like, they were attacking each other with various weapons. I think, like, Orton sprayed Barrow with, like, some kind of fucking fire hose or something. So, like, they, they did, they, they did one match already where shit, like, brawled to way outside. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they're just like, why it's so good. I think we'll have it a second time. Sure. And, 
it was at this point that I kind of really processed the fact that the thumbnail for this episode was Randy Orton and Wade Barrett uh, on an elevator security I wish camp. that hadn't been, like, from a from an advertising perspective and, like, a thumbnail, like, an exciting, eye-catching thumbnail, I do get it, but I wish that hadn't been it. Nah, I feel like it still doesn't ruin the the surprises that this one holds. I wrote... I wrote in my notes because of the security camp thing. This shit's about to get on hinge, get get unhinged. I had no idea. Oh, um, will all right. Also, uh, I looked at the timer. I looked at like the. the I the, also the noticed bar, the timer. There's only like I was 10 like, minutes we have match. less than 15 minutes for this. We were about this shit's about to run at a crack. And I said I had a journey with this. I so I wrote this shit's about to run at a crackhead pace. Um, oh, it also, did. Also, something I noticed when they were like announcing the card for next week before the main event started was like everyone in their like photos for match card promos looks like really happy and personable. Like it's all like headshots of them, like, or mid shots of them, like smiling affably, like all the wrestlers. It's like big show's got a big grin on his face. DB has got a big grin. That feels weird. A little wrong. They're just so happy to be here, David. I, I guess yeah well teddy teddy long maybe that's the reason everyone everyone else in all other wrestling like promotional pictures looks so mad is because their brand is not being managed by teddy long um also uh what going back to the website one more time apparently the wwe locker room like they they encourage you to go over to the website for the main event because apparently the WWE locker room live tweets SmackDown main events on like the social section of the WWE website. Oh yeah, dude. Absolutely I'm sure you're really going to be sharing. Phenomenal. A re- I, I'm, I'm sure you're going to be sharing a reply, a, a reply thread with Nikki Bella for this main event. I have couldn't no just, doubt. Couldn't just go on Twitter yourself to, to read that, read their live tweeting. No, no. no go to you the could WWE website. You could talk to uh, at real John Cena sixty nine about uh, about how how well Orton's doing in this main. Now event. you got that wrong. It's XX real John Cena sixty nine XX. True. Uh, see, all that just did is give me flashback images to the to the thing from WCW Hog Wild of the Steiners typing like cavemen on laptops. <laughs> Hey, all right. You know, real gamer chuds say you would you wouldn't survive a day in the in the in the modern warfare two lobbies. I would like to counter that you wouldn't survive a day in the WWE.com lobbies. Oh my god. Are you are you kidding me? Those marks will eviscerate you. Get yep. get out of there while you still have a chance. Oh uh, god. Okay, anyway, in all seriousness, once again, we know we get a like on commentary good recap for like a baby viewer as to why this is so personal like i guess uh bear's just been fucking with orton at every turn like he messed up a match that was like a wrestlemania opportunity or something like that like or a title match shot something like that i think it was just a title match he cost i think it cost orton a title shot yeah it was something like that so like bear and orton have been there's been bad blood of brewing they've been kind of dicking on each other nobody nobody likes each other uh booker says multiple times it makes sure to emphasize there's no love lost between the two of them so like again good job like underscoring not only that, that this is personal but there are like reasons that it's personal good on mm-hmm. you for a first time baby viewer and yeah, so- I, 
I did have to have a note as this match started up that was just a straightforward, Jesus Christ, Randy Orton's a terrifying motherfucker. Like, early on, he's just kind of, like, down on the ground and, like, kind of almost what feels like an evil Spider-Man pose. He, a- and... he absolutely got got the assignment of, like, I'm an evil snake man. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he feels very much like an actual evil snake man. He is legitimately terrifying. Randy Orton, as much as I'll, like, you know make fun of any wrestler uh he goddamn he accomplishes his i uh, he who he scares me um yep. so so yeah um so the match starts off and they're just kind of you know it's typical like big heat feud match where they're just pummeling each other yeah they're they're um, not not a lot of technical wrestling going on here they're just out just, here to fight each other it's just so fighting. extremely early in the match they go out to the outside randy orton throws wade barrett into the steps and then he gets on the steps and curb stomps wade barrett's head into that the was steps. so fucking brutal dude steps based offense is some of the most unhinged shit in any wrestling mm-hmm. match it was it was crazy then he goes um, for the rko and barrett pushes him into the ring yeah post. they really emphasize the fact that barrett apparently is like god tier it at at uh reading the r at scouting the rko and just countering it which i guess no one else has been able to ever accomplish before ever Man, i mean, when it, really I mean when it comes out of nowhere i don't know what you expect them to be able to do you gotta expect the unexpected, Austin. And by the mm-hmm. unexpected, I mean Randy Orton RKO RKO you every chance he gets. Yeah. Um, so when they when also, they get back into the ring after Yeah, and, and I and I can't help but notice once again on the timer that we have um now eight minutes left to get into that elevator. TikTok, oh. TikTok. TikTok. Okay. Uh I only mentioned this because this is what I notice in the crowd. Somebody has a sign that says I grin and bear it for Wade. And I'm like, ha ha. That's cute. I didn't fully notice that, but I did see some Wade signs. Also, I noticed something I noticed. I I really, for the first time, noticed Wade Barrett's haircut here. And I theorized, you know, maybe Orton just really hates Barrett because Barrett can pull off young Randy's haircut without looking like early season Jim from The Office. Ooh, that could be it. (laughs) I think that might be. Because I just realized, like, wait, Wade Barrett has, like, something really similar to, like, baby randy orton's like haircut except it doesn't it doesn't look like ass it actually looks mm-hmm. like fine so maybe that's maybe that's why orton just orton's just like you pulled off what i never could yeah um so i was i was about to make a note about how they're doing such a good job of like it not feeling like a regular wrestling match feeling like two guys hate each other they're trying to punch each other to death and as i'm about to type that headlock city <laughs> Wade Barrett gets in the headlock. You gotta get the headlock for. I, I feel like that's a signature move of his, though, right? No, it's that just feels... some, it's some typical fucking rest hold bullshit. Oh, okay. well, I was like, God <laughs> damn it! That's funny. We gotta have the headlocks, Austin. Okay, no, nothing and... that nothing communicates deep nuclear heat more than a headlock. All right, so after they like they get out of it, and then he gets them in another headlock, and. At that point in the match is when Josh Matthews pipes up. This is a false count anywhere fight. And I'm like, they're in the middle of the ring in a headlock right now. (laughs) Josh Matthews once again proving this is the worst time to point that. He is the most worthless 
the most worthless person in this entire building right now. Yeah, so Orton gets back on the attack. He hits his he starts trying to hit his big moves. He hits the power slam. He goes to hit him in the DDT and the ropes, and Wade Barrett uh rolls out. And Orton is like, okay, I'm just going to follow you then. And he chucks Wade Barrett over the announce table and is at this point where the match is about to go nuts. Yeah, um, okay, okay. No, so that's the thing. So, like, I I notice one more time the counter, and I'm like, we have three and a half minutes left. Why are we still in the ring? What is – so – so Randy Orton does, he gets way, so he and Wade Barrett go to the outside. Randy Orton, like, chucks Wade Barrett over the announce table. And the ref gives Andy, Andy Randy, like, the dopiest come on look ever. Like, the ref's like, like, Randy Orton does that and the ref just looks at Randy Orton goes, <sighs> so Randy Orton throws Wade Barrett over the, over the barricade into the crowd. Yes, we Randy are finally Orton follows the him. Like three minutes left. Yeah, so he follows him, and then Wade Barrett, then Randy Orton throws Wade Barrett towards the bear, back towards the ring, and he knocks the referee out. So the match yeah, and, has and, no more referee. And Randy's got a look at his face like, well, that wasn't supposed to happen. They start fighting around the crowd, and they go backstage. They go backstage now. No more referee. They want to make sure to tell you that. Uh, in the hallway, the fight in the hallway. I, I wrote beat for beat because this is the important shit. Not not any of the stuff that happened in the ring. This is the important fun part. So Wade Barrett like slams Orton through a catering table in the back. And then as they're brawling in the, I noticed while they were brawling in the hallway, they run into a cart. And the cart has a in big letters backstage set on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this the authenticity. Oh yeah. So they're they're running in through the hallways. All the extras are like in the hallway running for their lives from these two violent men. And Barrett tries to escape into an elevator. Yeah, uh, so but may I say, Orton... a perfectly, uh, it's not just Wade Barrett goes and presses the button on the elevator. It is this brawl for Hall continues down, and the they 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 get out in front of an elevator, and as they pro, as they like get out in front of the elevator, the elevator door just opens, and a bunch of extras pour out of it, see what's going on, and just well, run. no, what happens is they were trying to stay in the elevator. Barrett gets in and Orton just shucks out everyone else in the elevator so which he can like, still fight Barrett. Yeah, which like the perfect timing of the elevator. It's hilarious to think about in kayfabe, but also like IRL, like that was perfectly timed. How do they pull that off? They, I, I, I assume that most of this fight it was pre-taped like this part of oh, the fight right. was a pre-tape instead of something they did live oh so they could time it that's that's yeah cool. that's what i um, would assume so uh, they get the elevator we, they get the, we again, get the elevator like, security cam with, with 90 seconds left in the episode what is happening bruh there they go at a fucking rapid pace for this but it's yeah, sick as I hell mean, the whole time crackhead pace i was just i was right about crackhead pace i was just it just happened it kicked in later than expected yeah 
Right, so they get in the elevator. They fight in the elevator. They get it's off the elevator. So goofy. Continuing. Oh my god! We're seeing them over elevator security cam footage. So they're just fighting inside this elevator. And they, like, even I noticed this is there was no ambient crowd sound during the part where they're in the elevator. There was yeah, no ambient sound when they were in the elevator, as if we were actually watching perfect. in the camp. The only thing that could have made it more perfect is if they had, like, elevator music playing in the background. I, I wish. wish a motherfucker would. Um, right. So they get they get off the we, elevator. We have a, 30 seconds. We have okay. a minute left. What, there's still no ref. There, No other ref has showed up on the no. scene. There are also, no more refs. Shout out to Shout out. There are no more refs. They've all left the building. Um, also... Shout out to like in kayfabe the poor cameraman having to scramble all the fuck around the backstage okay. of this. Room. This like, what's this going makes on? this that makes this real this ending really work for me to be honest. Is okay. So they go through a door to what is to a stairwell. The re the cameraman is significantly far behind them, so he's running up to the door. See, he no, gets no 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 no. The the cameraman arrive like the cameraman's like catching up to them. Sure, but like. He gets to the door, sees them through it, and then just holds at the door. For because he does because not it open was that a, door. Because that was a rule of cool shot, man. Do, shooting the seeing the fight through the door window was cool as no, fuck. No, there was less than a minute. There, there's less than a minute left in this episode. There's like twenty seconds. Open the goddamn door, and then the so, ref opens the door. Hey, he just missed what happened here. As what happened is Wade Barrett threw Orton down the stairs and they, he is dead. He is dead. He is sitting yeah, there like Wade, yeah, Wade Barrett is standing at the top of the stairs. Randy Orton is crumpled at the bottom of the stairs. Fucking dead. Wade Barrett sees the camera is like, well, shit. And then just kind of like to escape the scene of the crime yeah. and, and just leaves like the building. Up. And that is how the show ends. We we pan over to this shot of Randy Orton at the bottom of the stairs and the camera just slowly, ominously zooms in on his crumpled body. What the fuck just happened? What was that? Absolute magic that got me hooked on watching this weekly forever is what happened. Yeah, what a perfect way to end that for a first time. It's insane, but also kind of perfect. That must have been addicting. It was. I was like, this is cool as hell. We're, I am going to be watching again on Monday and on Friday. And like, I've seen no other wrestling episode go like that, where the main event match just kind of ends with one of the wrestlers dead, no real winner decided. Yeah, it's crazy. And the match the match had no real winner. It was you just like. You rolled the cosmic dice on this one so I perfectly. Did. I think I God. did, honestly. It was fate. This was, this was always meant to be. Holy shit. So, yeah, this was your first ever episode of wrestling. And yep. wow, that was a lot. Mm -hmm. So you Absolutely. remember nothing from it other than getting hooked. Not, um, not really. I mean, I remember like the Drew McIntyre story and I remember the big, I remember like Daniel Bryan and Big Show, but like. I don't, I wouldn't have, I couldn't have told you specifically what happened on this episode, uh, except for the elevator and the, and the, and the stairwell fight. And that, and that's what did it for you is like just the mm -hmm. absolute insanity in the last three minutes of this episode. Yes.
And that's why we're here, folks. We are. That is wow. why we are here. Is I then started watching full time, you know, watching on the I'm watching off the DVR week to week. And eventually I started pirating the pay-per-views. And then, you know, I've I've watched WWE in so many ways. I've watched like Hulu, the Hulu cuts. I've watched, you know, off the WWE network, and then with Peacock. I've done plenty of piracy of the weekly shows in my day. Oh, yo. Oh. Uh, but yeah, it all started here of one Friday night in the, in late December. And, and where, what, how, how do you feel about a journey that started with Randy Orton dead at the bottom of a staircase <laughs> and led to, a hundred episodes of a podcast all about wrestling wouldn't have it any other way in my book yeah i mean so and i really do need to emphasize this is like uh, even uh for the randy orton like like even outside of the randy orton wade bear stuff this is a really like noob friendly episode they were really they really mm-hmm. really were uh like the stuff with like booker just kind of like sneaking in the info on how heel commentators work to like all the really pretty decent explanations that commentary gives as to like a lot of the stuff going on. Um, like the, and the, the like recaps that are helpful and thorough, but non-intrusive. So like, many, pro- so many promos of guys doing that old comic book thing of like explaining their backstory relationship in, co- in dialogue as if that's a natural thing to do. Yeah. And even like, and even the um the like little picture in picture pre tapes, those are like perfect little bite sized ways to just give you um some basic essential character info about a wrestler that's about to be coming up. Like this is a really well constructed episode for someone's first time. This is far from the greatest episode of wrestling I've ever watched, mm-hmm. but like I can't deny this makes perfect sense as like a jumping on point the the it blows my mind almost the, the luck that the the luck of the draw with you like choosing this episode of all episodes is your first ever like you missed the raw that week and then stumbled upon the perfect like true opener that's mm-hmm. so so just give us a broad since we're all since we're in like commemoration mode what how how has how has this evolved for you between Randy Orton dead at the bottom of the stairs and 100 episodes of a podcast? Um, Where are we at? Knockout. I what do you, what do you, what do you mean evolve? Like what are you like, what are like you looking you start, for here? You started off getting hooked with Randy Orton at like the bottom of a staircase, and now you are a proud discerning mm-hmm. knockout. Like what? I, I don't know. It's like what is in in a spark notes like what it what has the what has like the journey of your fandom up till now been like um i mean it was wwe only for a long time there um yeah i jokingly say fall of 2014 was my point of being like oh wrestling can be bad um <laughs> was with this uh that was a rough time for me watching yeah. that was uh, highlights include um, hi- the the highlight is when Nikki Bella told Brie Bella, "I wish you died in the womb," and my roommate walked in at the exact point where she said that. 
Really fantastic <laughs> stuff. Um, I honestly did not make any real effort to like look into other wrestling stuff until Wrestle Kingdom in 2016. Yeah, that's right. Because I, I, I was that was my third year in college when that happened. Um, and then WWE, I just started slowly kind of falling off on as time went on. And, you know, I'd had time, I'd had like periods where I'm like, I'm going to really try to get into impact. And that didn't last. <laughs> Oof. Always something. Um, and then. I I I am I it didn't take me long to get on the message boards by the way. I was an old That's school I, I absolutely f- had spent quite a bit of time on the Game Facts wrestling forum. I'm pretty sure Game Facts is just your natural habitat alongside TV tropes. It it is in many ways. Um <laughs> I made my uh my um subheader the or not the sub like you could you could make like a message on the bottom on the bottom of your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of your thing uh my message for a long time is i will not change this message until the miz wins the wwe championship again um because i was the biggest miz mark to start my wwe career and <laughs> you never changed that message did you no i didn't i should it's have funny, because... i actually just a few weeks ago was looking up because i was curious if miz ever like won the gold and it's like yeah he did that once and then like never again I went on, I, I was off the, by the time w, Miz won the WWE title again, I was no longer on the GameFAQs boards. I was purely on Reddit. So Ooh. did not, could not jump in there with that. Um, but, you know, I was following NXT relatively early in that time. I remember YouTube comment sections talking about how the women's division could be so much better on Raw and SmackDown. And it's like <laughs> they are in NXT and we got this shit. Um, Women's yeah, once, baby. once AEW came up, I mean, WWE was a combination of like the Saudi Arabia stuff pissed me off. A better understanding of who Vince McMahon is as a person and eh. over and honestly, just because this show stopped being as good. Uh, once AEW started, uh, I mean, I bought their first pay-per-view and have never looked back on them nice they've been my primary uh show ever since and now it's like i follow i follow AEW, i follow impact and i follow WWE and kind of japanese wrestling pretty casually more much more casually but it's tough to find time to watch more than one or two wrestling shows in a week when i also have to watch wrestling for this podcast yeah um, i know it's tough uh, but no, it has been a, a wild journey of a lot of different things, of a lot of different times and eras in my life, but it's been yeah. a great one. So one more, one more question for you then. I won't ask you what, what it was that, that wh- what it was that brought you into wrestling that keeps you coming back. Cause I feel like after all this time, I've gotten a good understanding of, mm. of that for you and just broadly, cause yeah, I mean, there, there, there's, there's, there's a lot to love about the art form. What I will ask you instead um, is, what compelled you to message me, uh, start messaging me about this stuff? Okay, uh, that was really because I, I, I don't know what probably was my like what specifically would my initial thought have been, 
but it's it's one of those things where like i have never had anyone to really talk wrestling with before you um you know <laughs> like as i kind of mentioned in the front half like i would have people who would like humor me at best they'd be like yeah that's good for you that you like this um so it was probably just a mo like i probably just had like a moment of being like i just really want to talk about wrestling right now i know like when kofi kingston won the WWE championship for example i was like i gotta tell someone the entire story because <laughs> it's I do so remember good you talking to me about about kofi in the new day I did that. I know. Remember, I ranted about Becky Lynch's heel turn. That was a stupid heel turn in 2018. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, so that's probably what that was. I was probably like, I just kind of like felt comfortable enough. You seemed receptive enough to me rant rambling about wrestling. So I was like, I'm gonna keep doing that. And I mean. I feel like our whole friendship was was built on like special interest rambling. So I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, sure, why not? I can I can listen to this. And then, yeah, so I guess I get to tell my half of how this podcast came to being of mm -hmm. Austin just kind of started messaging me about wrestling stuff. I like I remember little things. I remember you talking to me about like Kofi Kingston, the new day, specifically because you like talked about it in relation to your bootio shirt that I remembered you wearing. Um, oh, yeah. I love that. And I was like, that's really funny. You no, know, the bootio shirt. Iconic. Um, mm -hmm. I love I love that shirt with all my heart. Uh and and i was like okay and you just kind of kept you talked about a lot of stuff i remember you ranting uh, at one point about like um people doing like alcoholism angles and how distasteful you found that which yeah fucking true um mm -hmm. i do find that and, very yeah, and it, they are fuck fuck those but like i like i you you just kept kind of like detailing all this stuff and i was just slowly like this is so weird but it also sounds like funny weird and also maybe sometimes a little cool. I didn't really know. That's a that's that. a good that's a good estimation of wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, like I was like, yeah, no, this seems kind of like unhinged in a fun way. Um and I I didn't really know anything about wrestling. At that point I had conceived of like, you know, it's pre-scripted thanks to Austin like talking about it and mm -hmm. I, you know, I knew what I the basic aesthetic that I'd absorbed from cultural osmosis, but that was, that was about it. Um, I'd probably heard the name of like, I like, I knew who John Cena was. I'd like heard the name of the undertaker before. I obviously know vaguely knew who Hulk Hogan was um, and Randy Savage, but you know, like, so mm -hmm. the, the, the biggest names produced by the, by like the art form. Sure. But that, but I, some, something in me was like, I don't, I don't even know what I, it was a combination of things. Like, I think it was like I had listened to kind of like I don't even know because I don't think musical explaining was around at this point. I don't think I'd really listened to musicals with cheese all that much. Something in me was just like, so what if we made a content of this? What <laughs> what if we did a content? Because um, I'm like, it's it's like it was 2020. It, it's the pandemic. It, we made pandemic, pandemic content. We're yeah. I've I've made some TikToks and those are fun. I content creation is is fun enough. So why why not give this a go? Mm -hmm. And I brought I brought the idea to Austin. And I'll be honest, when I brought this idea to you, 
I didn't envision becoming a full wrestling fan. I fully expected mm-hmm. this podcast to be a thing that we did casually just sometimes when we were feeling because, you know, sometimes you and I would like try to stream and stuff uh, and like yeah. we'd be the only ones to watch these other streams. So I was like, you know, we can Hell just be yeah. an extension of that. We can do it shit. casually. Um, and like I didn't I, I was just like, you know, I'll, I'll kind of humor. I'll, I'll be honest. I was also of the all humor this mentality of mm-hmm. like. Uh, you know, it seems to make Austin happy, and I'd like hanging out with Austin. Yeah. So, uh, I was like, you know, I'll enjoy it, and I'll get, I'll get a good laugh out of it. But you know, whatever. And then, so we did our first episode, and I was like, oh, okay, there's, there's something to this, and I'm actually like compelled a little bit, and just slowly but surely, this, this kind of sunk its hooks into me. The wild wacky world of wrestling as i put it i this thing that i fully expected to to just be casually amused by has now mm-hmm. become one of my favorite things in, yeah like the world and yeah it's a curse yeah but like it's it's so wild of just like the the journey from there to here of of like I, you know, I joked, I, I did, a, I did a bit of this in the front half, but like, you know, me starting off in the first episode was like, oh man, this is like, I like relating it, relating to it through like what I know of like, oh, this reads like Shakespeare. Um, and nowadays I sit in my living room with my roommates manically scissoring them whenever the acclaimed comes on screen. Cause I'm a fucking Mark. Like I, I'm so happy that. I mean, I feel like you... I feel like Shakespeare would absolutely have appreciated "Scissor Me, Daddy." Ass. Oh, without a doubt, I I I still want to make. I could make such good like Shakespearean wrestling, man. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. I I want to find a Shakespeare play that I can adapt to like have a wrestling aesthetic painted over it. I think that would be awesome. I'm not sure which one yet, but I'm sure somewhere in there. Um, but like, but no, seriously, um. Like I, I, I am so happy that you decided to just randomly start like messaging me about wrestling shit, mm-hmm. just info dumping and that it just kind of wore me down to be like, yeah, all right, fine. Let's see what this weird shit is all about. And I can't believe we're here a hundred episodes later. Um, and so so much more to come uh mm-hmm. it's it's truly it's this is truly one of the greatest things that has ever happened to me and i am so happy to be able to share it with you yeah, this is this is this is the highlight of my week most weeks <laughs> uh and i cannot believe i'm still doing this um if you knew me you'd know that i am very bad at at keeping up with any particular artistic pursuits. Uh, Austin I is usually, the taskmaster of this show. Let me let me tell you, this man, I, this man I, keeps me on schedule. Most of the time, uh, when I start things, I just like do it and get it out of my system. Like I I joke, but I have written fan fiction before, and I, I just know you. <laughs> aban- I just abandoned it because I was like, okay, I've done my fan. I've had my fan fiction moment. We're done, and like. I, I like you like I I apparently keep David on task here but I if David was not here every week I would have probably also given up on this cuz part of my motivation to like make sure that like god damn it I am ready to go for this every single week is cuz like I got to be ready for David 
That Aww. is the way this works. I, like, oh, I gotta buddy. be ready. I have, I have, I am now like I would be letting someone else down if I fucked around and did and just dropped shit. So can't do that anymore. Hey, that's what motivated me to keep to keep you know to do everything in my power to to you know even when my life is at its craziest, try to find ways mm-hmm. to to make this to make this happen because I don't want to I. I, I'm, I'm f- fucking I'm fucking you up if I if I disappear. Mm-hmm. So like it, 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 <laughs> it's a symbiotic relationship we got going on here. Yeah. Uh, but no, I am I'm so proud of how far this show has come. You know, we mm-hmm. we're still we're still kind of a low res operation a little bit. We don't have a lot of listeners on the regular, but I would not trade this for the world. And I have I have every confidence that that someday the, the all the motherfuckers out there will, will will realize just what good shit the noobs and knockouts podcast turns out and uh and it'll be uh deadlock who uh no uh, no 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 i'm kidding i'm sorry deadlock we love you i'm um, one no. of the, I, I am a proud hog dipper we don't got it we don't got i am also nothing. a proud hog dipper You've, yeah I've, I've 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 been i've been dipping my hog a little bit too i'm not gonna lie um no, but like we we've we've come so far. Our our content gets better and better with each time. Um and this is this is only the tip of the iceberg. We have so much more to go onward and upward. This show is only getting better from here. Stay tuned, folks, because each time we get a little bit better, this show gets a little bit better. And we every every time we find another reason to love wrestling hate wrestling discourse about wrestling um and no matter what we find reasons to to laugh to joke to enjoy ourselves and to share it uh, amongst two good friends and with all of you Mm -hmm. couldn't have said it better you're better at these Mm. big long speeches than me Uh, that's what you have me for buddy so that is it for this episode Next time on the Noobs and Knockouts podcast, episode one hundred one, a new a and new chapter. A, and what a hot start we're gonna have to the next one hundred episodes of this show because it is time for the culmination of the Dominic Mysterio uh, custody battle. Yes, it is time for SummerSlam two thousand and five. Oh my god i am so excited but this it's so perfect as like 101 too because this is something that i have been waiting for since so early on and we are here at the culmination the promised land if you will i can't i i can't overstate how excited i am for the conclusion of the dominic mysterio arc uh because holy shit it's so it's everything I dreamed it would be and more, and we still have one more absolute banger to crank out before it's all done. God damn. Yep. Uh, but that is for next time. Until then, David, hit our plugs. Yes, sir, my dear friends. Thank you so much for tuning in for the special 100th episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. It is an absolute honor to have you all here listening to us. Returning listeners, viewers, what have you, thank you 
especially from the bottom of our hearts this time around for being here. It's it's so delightful. You know the drill. Thank you for once again welcoming us back into your eardrums, your eyeballs, whatever it is you use to consume our content. We're just so happy to have you here. New people, thank you so much for joining us. We here at the Noobs and Knockouts podcast like to think we are friendly to both noobs and knockouts alike. So whether you're brand new to the wild, wacky world of wrestling or you're a veteran of all the weird bullshit, either way, we hope you feel welcome here. We hope you've had a great time here. We hope you continue to uh, want to have a great time with us week after week, and I will tell you exactly how you can do that. You can find us on four major platforms. First of all, you can find us on YouTube. We are the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on YouTube. Hit subscribe, ring that bell, and make sure it turns a nice little solid color so you get notifications every single time we drop a brand new episode. Give us that sweet, sweet engagement. Check out all of our playlists that Austin has been kind enough to organize every single arc that we follow so you can take something all the way down without having to skip around a whole bunch. It's great. You can see our pretty little faces and all the secret little visual guys. You can see my epic drip for the 100th episode, of course. Um, it's just a great time. You Noobs and Knockouts podcast over on YouTube. But of course, if you're a fan of the audio only experience, we respect that as well. You can find us on three of the best places to find your podcast, which would be Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Come give us a listen. Come download us. Maybe give us drop us a nice little five-star rating and a sweet little review. It's like, hey, these guys are pretty cool. Maybe more people should be listening to them. I don't know. I'm just saying, give us a listen and some of that engagement if you're so inclined, please and thank you. It helps out the show so much. Uh noobs and knockouts podcast on Spotify, on Google and on Apple Podcasts. Um, But of course, if you want to get in contact with us, we have some options for that too. You can find us first and foremost on our Twitter. We are also the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on Twitter at Noobs and Knocks Pod. We, we, it's a good time over there. We post memes. We engage in discourse. We put up a post every single time we drop a brand new episode. So you guys always know what the hell's going on. Of course, the highlight of our Twitter is weekly wrestling live tweeting Every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. we on TBS, we are watching AEW Dynamite. It's a good time. Uh, Austin does uh, has been doing that. Uh, Austin does that usually. I've been running it uh, since uh, for, for the past several months now. I'm sure Austin will come back uh, in a few months himself. We'll probably share some of the responsibility of Reno because I've come to quite enjoy the tweeting on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, whenever I'm able to make it and I'm feeling spicy, on uh, Friday nights at 10 p.m. on TNT, we are, of course, watching AEW Rampage. It is the show that y'all been waiting on, and I'm tweeting all about that one, too. Uh, but, of course, on top of that, Austin does always so diligently keep up with all the major promotions uh, uh, pay-per-views. My friend, what is on the dock coming up? Yeah, so uh, when this episode drops, we will have just passed the Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble. So who will win? After that, we get Elimination Chamber on Ooh. February 18th. Also known as No Escape in Germany. They even put that in the cute little Wikipedia page because in uh, Germany, there is a little bit of an issue of the connotations of the of a term like elimination, elimination chamber. chamber. But so when we're not like, in Germany, not I do enjoy eliminations. I do enjoy ch- chambers. Again, when we're not in Germany, so like sounds like a good time. Yeah, so that's on February eighteenth. On March fifth, we have AEW Revolution, Revolution coming up, and then on Impact Wrestling on April sixteenth coming up is Impact Rebellion. So we are at a perfect point in time where I just don't have any real matches to hype up or talk about for future events, but they're coming. 
Oh, oh, they're 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 chugging down that line. If you want to chug down that line and meet and meet us at the finish line, uh, you can of course do so on the Twitter. One more time, that's at Noobs and Knox Pod. It's a great time over on the Twitter. Uh, if you're a fan of this show our voices carry over pretty well i'd say it's a great time just come just come chill with us but of course if you want to get in super direct contact with us you can also email us we are uh emailable at noobs and knockouts pod at gmail.com that's noobs the word and knockouts pod at gmail.com come say hi to us there tell us what you think about the show request things that you want to see us cover on the show uh start discourse with us tell us how base and red pill our hot takes are how stupid we are i don't know uh just tell us, just just come say hi. We love people saying hi. We would love to say hi back. Noobs and knockoutspod at gmail.com. And of course, finally, if you're so inclined to financially support the show, you can find us over on Patreon. We are also the Noobs and Knockouts Podcast on Patreon. The link for that is in the Twitter. Noobs and Knockouts Podcast on Patreon. $1 a month gets you early access to episodes and a shout out at the end of each episode. Shout out to uh, the sugar daddy, Kyle Smith, for his contribution. Friend of the show. Thank you so much, buddy. Enjoy your perks if you want to enjoy your perks alongside our boy kyle you know what to do drop us that sweet little dollar do a single a single bonerino folks uh on the patreon noobs and knockouts podcast link is in the twitter see you all next time hasta luego